There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. really important for me to get vocally warmed up in a style of music that's only appropriate for Mike Warnke. Mm -hmm. It's important for me to get in the pocket with getting right in there with an I've been wrong, Whoa. I've been down, <laughs> in the bottom of every battle. Oh my it's God. every bottle. You've been in every bottle? I said I'll be having fun, yeah. <laughs> no, actually, you're a very yeah. annoying lead singer who yeah. is way too hammered to go on stage. It's quite miserable. It's <laughs> the only way I can sing is if I forget I'm there. <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast of the left everyone i am ben hanging out with henry i've been wrong i've been down <laughs> I am to the bottom of every bottle it's not even possible <laughs> i saw a bottle at the head. liquor store yesterday and you weren't there and marcus as well hi 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 boys. so why the christian linguistics to start <laughs> they need it they deserve it mike no Warnke one, deserves no. Nickelback. He deserves it, <laughs> but it's actually maybe slightly too good for him. Ooh. All right, we are on to part two, and this is really going to explore the crazy world even further of Mike Warnke. So on our previous episode in this series, we explored the story that made Mike Warnke famous, namely his experiences as a high priest in a satanic cult that took orders from the mysterious Illuminati, all of which were false. Oh. All of which were false, mm. because we now know if you are a follower of any type of Satanism, we mostly like getting hammered. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we like a, a meat buffet. I love a charcuterie board <laughs> and don't as forget, a Satanist. Do not forget all the conversations about gout. Yeah. If you're a Satanist and you have haven't had at least one bout with the gout. Are you really a Satanist? I'm working towards mine. I can <laughs> see the swelling in my arch, and I cannot wait for it to get to the ultimate righteousness of it. But on this episode, we'll be discussing exactly how Mike Warnke sold his story to the evangelical crowd for 20 years, and how his influence helped to kickstart the Satanic panic of the 80s and 90s. So when we last left Mike Warnke, it was the early 70s, and he just returned from Asia after doing a few months in Vietnam and a few months in Japan as a member of the Navy. He must have been such a slippery little fuck on that boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. He seems a little too big for the Navy, doesn't he? No, he's my... We are, uh, you know, <laughs> very similar in size, very similar in shape, and technically the smaller man is great for the Navy because you can fit inside of a sub yeah. and still have room. Mm -hmm. I know the pesky world of the seamen. You gotta be a swab. You gotta get close to the deck. I, it's mostly clean. <laughs> and if you're too tall, the wind can't hit the top of your head, knock you off the side of the boat. I don't know, man. <laughs> no. I'm not a recruiter. <laughs> I know you're not. Well, eventually, Mike began giving talks at a non-denominational Jesus Movement church in Anaheim called Melody Land, and it was there that his lies about his involvement in satanic cults first gained traction. This is what's like, it was like his satanic open mic. Yeah. Welcome to Melody Land. No, I'm not going to invite you to the eighth grade dance. I'm Melody. <laughs> Uh, hi, dude. Um, My name is uh, Robinson G Grumpkin. I'm the lead singer of Nickelback. <laughs> I'd love to be enjoyed. Yes. Can I please be a part of Melody Land? Because I'm a singer as well. I don't know if you've heard some of my songs. Like, Can you sing any? Oh, we're having fun, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so cute. That's all I got. That's the only lyric I remember. You got any ever clear? <laughs> oh, you're so cute. Now, Warnke didn't go for the jugular right off. 
At first, he leaned on lies about his time in Vietnam, claiming that he'd backslid into drugs and drink because of his horrific, non-existent experiences in country. But once the Satan stuff caught on, Mike and his first wife, Sue, began building an anti-occult ministry. The more I listen to Hmm. this mustachioed fuck, the more I understand. He doesn't know what the term occult means. Not really. He has no clue what he's talking about. He's making it up as he goes. As a matter of fact, I read a really interesting master's theory about the origins of satanic ritual abuse. And again, it goes all the way back to the 1300s. It's the same (laughs) shit. And on the first group of Christians. So we're originally, like, this is literally before the 2000s. In in BC times, the Christians were labeled as baby eaters. Yeah. Oh, baby eaters. Yeah. Baby eaters comes back again and again and again. It's because it's the scary, it's the worst thing you can do. The worst thing you can do is eat a baby. What's worse than eating a baby? I just feel like. Sneeze while you're making a left on a yellow light. (laughs) That's a good point as well. I would call them crocodiles for Christ. We're baby eaters. Honestly, because a baby doesn't even know what's fucking missing yet. Oh, no, babies wouldn't love to be eaten, buddy. Killing a 37-year-old man would be such a waste. (laughs) Waste of that whole man's life with his whole life ahead of him. In his prime. Yep. This is the hill you want to die on. Okay, that's fine. Now, because the Jesus movement was bringing so many young people into evangelism, following their disillusionment with the stickier bits of the hippie movement, (laughs) the audience at Melodyland was growing. And therefore, Mike's audience was growing as well. Mr. Warnke, I saw my wife Pamela fuck every one of my friends in front of me after I told her. Well, you wouldn't be alone there, son. That's how it is. (laughs) That is is just what is a part of the ministry is that your wife needs to be shared by the congregants. Oh, you're going to do that to her too? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I I don't know if Mike Warnke can fuck. (laughs) No, we'll prove that Mike Warnke can and does fuck Basically, quite a the, bit. The premise being the amount of broken human beings yeah. mm-hmm. that filled the uh, the rows at these places mm-hmm. can never be uh, really understood. Yeah. But while Mike was growing his audience in Anaheim, a Pentecostal evangelist named Morris Cerullo was building a ministry in San Diego called the World Evangelism Headquarters, complete with what they called a youth action center. Mm. It sounds fun, but it seems like at a youth action center, the youth get a lot of unwanted action. Yep. And you know it's like a punishment. They'd be like, you got to go to the yak. I don't want to go to yak. You got to go to yak. Yeah, we were the yab, the youth advisory board. Oh. Oh, isn't that nice? And I painted a mural of Superman. Oh, good. Was he a Christ-like Superman? No, 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 no. Very secular Superman. But we were allowed <laughs> to put on a sketch show. Oh, good. For all what of the kids the, at the what library. What was the sketch that you wrote? Just, to, just to, I, I'm very curious. It was Jeff Nitzberg was on a piano pretending to be, the only way I could really describe it is mentally handicapped <laughs> with two fake hands. Like he got two plastic hands from the Halloween store and was like pretending to play the piano with it. And then I did an act out of my mom buying longer burger baskets, which was a- <laughs> Longer a, burger baskets. Longer burger baskets are some of the, un, these are untouchable objects in my home. They uh-huh. are $100 What's a longer basket. burger? Or was it longer burger baskets? No, like they were longer longer than the previous ones. I believe it is a GE longer burger, Uh right? Is one word. It is a part of. Mm, the only way it's a precious basket ah, that, as my mom said, yeah. would go on to finance me and my sisters <laughs> post college lives. And I guess mean, where those baskets are? Where? In my mom's home, filled with shit. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's warranty material. Nope. 
Well, through contacts in the Christian scene, Cerullo connected with Mike Warnke, and the two began working together, focusing on an anti-occult message. Soon after, they began traveling the country side by side, warning against the dangers of the occult in a mobile home that doubled as an occult exhibit. They called it <gasps> the Witchmobile. <laughs> what? That's they're so fucking, fun. They're dragging, they're digging the ditches and burning the witches, man. They're Burn fucking doing it. Ditches. Honestly, that is what this might, that song might be based upon. The <laughs> witch be. So they basically have to create an antagonist so they can be the protagonist. Yep. The yep. binary world, it's so classic. And that's why it's always important for me. I try not to complete the circuit. I don't even say I hate. I say, okay, you do you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you, mm-hmm. but I just, everything you do is wrong. <laughs> but I will not complete the circuit. Yeah. Now, while the Witchmobile was a decidedly Christian enterprise, it sounds like the presentation was metal as fuck, which is usually how shit like this goes. Because all of the metal-like imagery you're showing, right, the fucking devil shit, all the occult paraphernalia, which a lot of the times is exaggerated versions of the stuff we would normally use in actual occult rituals, it attracts people. They do more for Satanism and the occult than anybody else. Yeah. Because even Mike Warnke, like I was listening to a speech of him talking about his origins of getting into the occult actually sounds a lot like my origins in getting into all of this shit. Mm -hmm. Because the same Mm -hmm. thing, you were fascinated by the imagery first. Yeah. And then you start to learn about it. And then you realize like, oh, this this gives me this uh, this edge. You're the Warnke of podcasts. We've we've said this last episode. Yeah. Well, in addition to books on spirits, a Ouija board, and various oh. occult knives and amulets, the Witchmobile was also in possession of a human skull to demonstrate how bones were used in occult rituals. You know what else has a lot of human skulls? Every fucking high school in the country. <laughs> it's not exactly that macabre. We all currently are living in one. Yeah. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Whoa. Think about Again. that, bro. bro. And my friend, you just got warnkeyed. <laughs> you got warnkeyed. But while traipsing around the country talking about the occult like an evangelical A-team was obviously warnkey's calling, he still had the small matter of still being enlisted in the Navy for a further six years. Oh, I'm supposed to be on a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the Witchmobile. Oh. Now, while it appears as if these people were goofy nobodies, Morris Cerullo had real contacts with power. Hmm. Morris and a street preacher from Melody Land named Dick Hanley mm. called up a <laughs> California state representative named Del Clawson, who was oddly enough Mormon. So he's hmm. bored. Yeah. <laughs> bored, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he I was actually, bored and sitting around <laughs> waiting for a call. I actually disagree. I have to push back, Mr. Zabrowski. No, Mormons are very busy. They're very enterprising. We know. It's like they're a little too busy, a little too enterprising. Yeah. I, I also think they're constantly excited. Oh, they are. You imagine are, if you don't do anything and you see anything, it's got to be quite a shock. Do you remember yeah. the Mormon man who picked us up in the party bus when oh we left God. from Salt Lake City to go to the airport with the big bow tie? You basically looked <laughs> like a young man's version of Orville Redenbacher, <laughs> but he was there, <laughs> fucking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, being like, "Heard you guys do a bit of a comedy show." I, I, I'm a person who gets really into jokes myself, and you're like, "I'm going to fucking kill you." There is something about someone who is unnervingly nice. Yeah. It's, uh, and yeah. happy. I uh, don't know. I think it's suspicious. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Morris Cerullo and Dick Hanley told Del Clausen about Warnke's predicament, most likely given some grand speech about how Warnke could do a lot more good in the witchmobile than he could ever do in the Navy. <laughs> I would love to see the, his commanding officer's re- reaction to this. Yes, I would love to see the witchmobile in the Cuban Missile Crisis be like, well, we're re- we are armed and ready to go. <laughs> so Del Clausen made Warnke's enlistment disappear. Oh my God. And Warnke was free to participate in a witchmobile tour that had stops in 45 cities. He canceled his Vietnam experience so that he could go on tour. (laughs) Isn't that selfish? Now from how it seems, Warnke used the time that he spent on the road in the witchmobile fully constructing his menagerie of satanic tales. Because by the time the tour was over, he was telling his tales of bleached white hair, the Illuminati, Uh, and a coven involving 1,500 Satanists. You know, you do have to learn the craft on the road. Yeah, you do. He technically did it right. He did, he did. He knew how to to talk to the common man. He He picked up early. I can use my fun personality to to engage people. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy. I mean, even Lindsey Graham is having a hard time when he talks about vaccinations. He's getting booed quite a bit, and that man's is as charming as anything. (laughs) Yeah, he's like if Piglet was a senator. (laughs) (laughs) So, through Dick Handley, Warnke was introduced to the public relations consultant for Melody Land, a guy named Dave Balsiger. Balsiger also had a particular interest in occult research. And in addition, Balsiger was also helping to build the more conspiratorial side of Christianity, which had been steadily building throughout the Cold War. Wait, okay, we're separating the conspiracy side of Christianity? That was its own separate wing. Yeah, that's it? Yes. Yes. What's the... The, well, the old, the separate wing, the the really the wing that Balsiger was more uh, was most interested in was this uh, the idea that the godless Marxists and communists were coming to take oh. over the country and kill all the Christians. Yeah, that was nice. his. That was his. But he also started to get interested in the occult thing because by this point, like the Russians hadn't come for like 20, 30 years. It wasn't. And a, it, it hadn't come. Yeah, yet. they're so, not here yet. Yeah, so they had to find a new enemy, and that new enemy was Satanists. So the conspiracy wasn't about that big. Breasted, beautiful gilf that was Mary, the man, you know, the, the Virgin <laughs> no. Mother Mary. Definitely, God was looking to fuck her big old rubbery uterus. What is the name of the first Adam and Eve? Adam and yeah. Eve. Eve. Yeah, she talked to that snake and stuff. Yeah, that's did. all real. But they were like, that's one hundred percent true. Yeah. Uh, in. And in the original chapters of the Bible, that snake had arms and legs. Is so in fact much closer to a reptilian. That's oh right. Oh my God. See, in addition to being an expert at advertising, marketing, and promotion, Balsiger was also adept at political campaigning. And he wrote the dialogue for various low-budget Christian documentaries that always seemed to shoehorn something about the dangers of Marxism amongst tales of, where's the real Noah's Ark? It's in (laughs) Cleveland! I've got it right here. Listen to me. It's here. In Cleveland. I believe it. You bought an ad that says it. No, the uh, his Noah's Ark documentary eventually like the tail tumbled into some guys in the 90s claiming like, yeah, bro, we got a fucking piece of Noah's Ark right here. And people believed him and they went on tour with it. And then eventually they admitted that it was a fucking railroad tie that they'd like covered in like 
barbecue sauce and baked in an oven we to make will, it look old. We will do the mysteries of the Bible at some yeah. point in the very, not that close future, but. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. They're always talking about this Noah's Ark. I don't yeah. know if they'll ever find it, but you can go to the Wisconsin Dells Noah's Ark. It's not real. <laughs> well, every story that water is a park fairy is real, my friend. in the Bible. You're supposed to listen to it. And you're supposed to learn from it. But guess I'm what? You. They don't. You nope. tell that water park has at least three people drowning every year. I think it's pretty freaking real, okay? <laughs> Noah's Ark. <laughs> Wonderful place. Well, eventually, Balsinger became a producer. I don't know. I think, uh, I can't, you you can't, it's, it's just his name it's, is Balsinger. It sounds like he's going to be a wedding singer for testicles. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I'm. I'm my just, balls aren't getting married. Okay? No, I know. <laughs> Listen, not, I know. My balls need to remain single. I am the, the most single part of me. Well, this guy, Balsinger, became a producer. And strangely enough, he produced a paranormal show called Encounters of the Unexplained featuring Jerry Orbach. Where are my eyes? (laughs) Who's got my eyes? Jerry, remember, you gave the gift of sight to two New Yorkers. I hate that I did that. (laughs) Yeah, I remember he was bragging about it a lot. And this Balsinger guy also directed a fawning documentary in 2004 called George W. Bush, Faith in the White House. (laughs) I love you. Great. So happy (laughs) to have that recent history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the point here is that Balsager had the ability to build a narrative. And in the early 70s, Balsager and Warnke worked together co-authoring Warnke's breakout book, The Satan Seller, and thereby laying the foundation for Warnke's career for the next 20 years. In a weird, obviously less violent way. This reminds me of the system that slowly started building towards getting Timothy McVeigh ready to do the Oklahoma City bombing. Where you start to see like, oh, all of these forces coalesced and saw interest and and kind of a future in each other. And they're all like, we can combine anti-Marxist thought with anti-Satanic thought. At Mm -hmm. one point, we can just mash them all together Mm -hmm. and get the nationalist stripe going as well, mixed with this like emotional hotkey that you can hit every single time you say the word Satanist. Mm -hmm. I mean, great diversity when it comes to hairstyles, though. I, Very different. All sorts of. I think. I think I heard Mike and Warnke's hair was actually. He's technically classified as having a Tennessee waterfall. <laughs> I believe is the term. And then the rest of these guys, it's mostly bowl cuts. Yeah. Oh, also, Satan Seller would be a great name for a speakeasy. Oh, we're yeah. all the witches are wow. there. I hate speakeasies. Just have a door. Yeah. Well. Okay. Now, Warnke had already gained a large live following off his stories of being an ex-satanic priest, but when he wrote that story down. It took Balsager three months to edit and rewrite Warnke's first draft into something readable. I mean, that wow. makes that fucking tracks because every single one of Warnke's like storytelling bits has no structure. No. It just bounces all over the place. It has no beginning, middle, or end. Because say what you will about Bill Cosby. He could tell a story. <laughs> well, that's for sure. So this this ball singer guy, he Balsager. was... Balsinger. 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 <laughs> Uh, gotta say with some respect. <laughs> um, he, without him, maybe Warnke never gets off the ground at all. Never. Because wow. the book is what put Warnke up into the fucking rafters when it came to the Christians. <sighs> Otherwise, he would have just been a live guy. You know, maybe he would have done an album, but he never would have gained the traction. Okay. But even though Warnke's writing skills were limited, Warnke also contributed, quote unquote, writing to other anti-occult books at the time. For fellow witchmobiler Morris Cerullo, Warnke wrote a chapter called Secrets of a Satanic Priest, which nicely rounded out Cerullo's book, which was hilariously titled 
the backside of Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, take a look at that. I think it's important for us to remember, all right, remember that Satan has a secret side, which Mm -hmm. is why I've named my brand new book, Satan's asshole. <laughs> where you don't want to find your nose. Yeah. Well, the thing about Satan is uh, he doesn't realize there is no job at the end of the audition. Okay, Satan, why don't you turn around, bend over at the waist, and just grab it. What if off. I told you, as a matter of fact, this is the job? <laughs> <laughs> Satan, you've made me come again. <laughs> Now, Warnke was not the only person selling the more pessimistic and fearful side of Christianity in the early 70s. This was when the evangelical movement was on the rise, and they were primed to believe just about anything just so long as it made them afraid and gave their otherwise dull lives a little bit of meaning and a little bit of adventure. That's what you said before, Kissel, the idea that you create a villain. You create somebody that you all hate, Mm -hmm. which is why the Anton LaVey, the maxim, the idea of we kept the church in business all of these years, because that was kind of the original Mm -hmm. impetus for the parody religion that was the Church of Satan version of Satanism. Well, just look what the cows are doing when they're talking about eating more chicken. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) First of all, first of all, Matt, and also second, second of all, who taught these cows how to do graffiti? Because <laughs> that's what it is. I know. It's graffiti. Yeah, some people say Banksy is art. That's fine, only because he's got a stencil. Yeah, that's true. Well, it goes even further than just creating an enemy. It's also placing themselves in the middle of the story. Mm-hmm. It makes everyday life a lot more interesting if any person you see could be a Satanist. And you are a knight for the Lord, oh, yeah. royaled in a fight to the death oh, with yeah. the dark side. Just not, though. Like go. No, hiking. you're Brenda. Just be you. <laughs> It's all. It's, life is pretty exciting in many ways. Yeah, it really is. Go 67 on the highway with the windows down. <laughs> yeah, man. Jerk off outside. <laughs> Not where anyone can see, but just outside. Sure. Again, if you're looking, you complete the circuit. We've been talking about this. Your, your, your definition of public masturbation has changed. Don't and look now at the, me. Uh, the onus is now seemingly on the people who see it. Mind your business. <laughs> Well, in 1970, you had the release of The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. This book brought the ideas of the rapture and the Antichrist to the mainstream, while also interpreting the book of Revelation to fit current events, thereby claiming that the end was near. People didn't talk about the rapture of the Antichrist before The Late Great Planet Earth. I imagine that it came up in certain ways, but he made it pop savvy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He brought it to like a huge audience. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to make Jimmy Carter look like the Antichrist? <laughs> he put in solar panels. He, he had, grew peanuts. That's He's the he frailest man in the world. He smoked weed. <laughs> Although the only insult I'll say about him, he also rode the Christian wave into office. Yes, yes he did. But The Late Great Planet Earth was Lindsay's most well-known book. The year before Warnke released The Satan Seller, Lindsay released a follow-up to The Late Great Planet Earth called... Satan is alive and well and living on planet Earth. It's the most descriptive title I have ever heard. Satan is alive and well and he's coving over my house Friday for barbecue. <laughs> cool. Now, Lindsay was no fringe author. His first book was the biggest selling non-fiction book of the decade. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Satan is alive and on planet Earth is no. a non-fiction? His first book, oh. The Late Great Planet Earth. That was okay. considered a nonfiction okay. book. And as with far as, the, marks, as with quotation marks, as far as like the nonfiction bestseller list went, 
number one for the decade. It seems like it might be fiction. Yeah. Mm. So when Lindsay told evangelicals that Satan was a concrete entity with earthly agents who were coming for you and your children, people listened. And to bolster his claims, people like Mike Warnke were coming out of the woodwork, claiming that they'd been these agents of Satan, which, of course, gave people... Completes the circuit! It it completed the circuit, and it gave people an answer as to why everything seemed to be falling apart around them in the 60s and 70s. You know what? Maybe actually Facebook is better than this. (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) At least it keeps them home. I don't know. It's not. It's just just worldwide now, because it's the same fucking thing, man. I mean, it's always when when life is bad, when everything seems completely uh, up in the air... When life that's, is life. <laughs> yeah, when life is life. But when culturally, when everything right. seems to be falling apart, that's when these people fill the, they shoot the gap and they get in there every fucking time. To come to us. We'll provide this, this, a, a system of comfort for you, of yeah. support for you. An it's answer. Better, an answer. Yeah, but right. uh, there are no answers. We live in a world of great. Well, the yeah. Satan it, is alive costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to get the answers. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Satan is alive and well and living on planet Earth also introduces this concept, which these guys will do. The other thing about all of this is the recruitment side, mm. which comes up again and again and again. They're looking for butts in seats yeah. because butts in seats put money on the plate butts and seats will pay for you to go visit the holy land mm-hmm. you have a fucking private jet all this yep. kind of bullshit right and so they have one hook in satan is alive and well and living on the planet earth which they keep talking about again and again this whole concept of once you're saved you're saved for life so all we got all we got to do is get you the one time mm-hmm. and then you're on right. the rosters for forever so that's this concept always just being like just let's let us get you one let's save you one time yeah let's let me save you one time because then i got you and then they think Oh, now you're on call for the rest of your shitty little life. And I was really trying to find something positive here. I was going to praise perhaps they had a good potluck on Sunday. But to be honest, I don't think the food was very good. No, no, no. Now, Mike Warnke was certainly the most popular ex-Satanist. And there are reasons why he was number one. First, while Mike's stories can be gruesome... They're not too gruesome. I mean, he mm. did talk about cutting the pussies off of little girls, but he didn't uh, say cutting pussies. No, he said carving the sexual organs. And he didn't hit, like, that was, it was not as bad as, compared to some of the other satanic no, know, panic shit, it is fucking, I, I mean, mean, it is oh, tame. I've seen, normally, I've seen the documents. I mean, <laughs> Halloween we carve pumpkins, but normally we, for Christmas, we normally do our carving of the sexual organs of little girls. But that's what <laughs> And I, one year I did this incredible sleigh and it was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Very ornate. I mean, it's pretty much the same principle as to why everyone knows who Ted Bundy is, but only the most fervent true crime fans know Richard Chase. Sure. Right. With Bundy, his more gruesome acts, they can be smoothed over. They can even be ignored entirely yep. as they've been in fucking recent history. Uh-huh. But with Chase, you can't really gloss over the blender. Because like, then you like, what are we writing about? Yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> inappropriately? Yeah. yeah, you can't gloss over the actual baby that he killed. You can't gloss over the family that he killed. Like, it's all, you can't gloss over the yogurt cups. It's but all honestly, there. Man, I really I wish they would have addressed all of this with like a big mental health initiative or something like that. But fuck guess, you, you um, Marxist. Sweet, 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 And the only thing Richard Chase ever identified as uh, in sort of a denomination was an independent voter. <laughs> he actually was actually really incredible. Swing voter. Yeah, huh? oh, yeah, you never kind of knew where he was going to be that day. He was a purple guy. I like that. Okay. Well, the other reason why Warnke rose to the top was because while every person who claimed to be an ex-Satanist had some mental health issue or another, Warnke was the only one who could keep his shit together, and he kept it together for large crowds. Because he had the superpower of being a little bit weird Mm -hmm. and a pathological liar. Yep. 
One of the other alleged ex-Satanists was Herschel Horatio Smith, who was a seven-fingered former Satanic acolyte who told people that he'd given his missing three fingers to Satan. That's a little bit too gruesome. That's a great pitch, though. It's a great pitch. That's a great pitch. Because honestly, because you got the visual of me like, and that's why I only got the shocker hand. Like, he, like, <laughs> he just shows it at all times. Like, like yeah. Phil Schneider, who the big reveal is that of he course. lifts his shirt so you can mm-hmm. see the scars from where the gray zapped him. But that makes people uncomfortable. They like hearing about someone losing three fingers to Satan, but they don't like seeing a guy up there missing three fingers. You're not me, I guess. No, that's they're not it, us either. They're assholes. That's why um, <laughs> you never actually see anyone with any kind of deformity or disability actually in Hollywood. Yeah. Because <laughs> it makes everyone a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Yeah. So they have to be beautiful, and then when they go to the award show, they're beautiful, and you're like, how'd they... And they had the audacity to get ugly for us. They had wow. that one guy with elephantitis <laughs> so that was in uh, Under the Skin mm-hmm. with uh, Scarlett Johansson. That's a great movie. But, he, but I think they made him this... He was there because... He looks strange. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was specifically why. I want to see a movie where he fucks. (laughs) But he had a big hard dick in that. You remember that? Did he really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was honestly kind of startlingly big and hard. Yeah. Good for him. Good movie. Nice. And there was also the aforementioned Laurel Rose Wilson. We talked about her last episode. She had massive emotional issues in addition to wildly bloody claims. So she's out too. Mm Mm-hmm. But perhaps the most fascinating out of this group of so-called ex-Satanists and also the most criminal was John Todd. I only need two first names. You got to be recognized. John Todd. Jennifer Todd. Jennifer Todd. All right. John Todd claimed that he was an ex-witch who had been born into a witchcraft family that was a part of a larger organization of witches whose plot for world domination was quickly gaining steam. It's gaining steam! And that was called Safeway. (laughs) Well, John Todd was great because he introduced a sense of urgency into all of this. He said that these witches had influence over the most powerful people in the world, claiming that JFK was not only still alive, but when he was in office, he had actually hired John Todd to be his personal warlock. Hey there, John. <laughs> I need you to make some kind of spell to make Marilyn Monroe's pussy small again. <laughs> oh my. Why the obsession with having the Kennedys alive? Yeah. I never will understand it. It's still happening as Marcus talks about it in our live show to this day. Everyone's still talking about the one Kennedy being alive. He is dead. We really can't understand the trauma that the president getting shot in the fucking head had. How, like, mu- how much trauma it really put the whole country through. People couldn't fucking believe it. I mean, enough. What was it? Wasn't his grandson the one who died in the helicopter or plane crash? And they still think he's alive. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. yeah. Well, they just all fit very nicely into conspiracy. Okay. Well, according to Todd, witches and Satanists were conspiring with the Illuminati to torment Christians. Yes. <gasps> and even worse was the claim that the most well-known Christians of the day, guys like Billy Graham, Jerry Falwell, and Pat Robertson, they were all in on it. Yeah, they were. Uh, right? <laughs> also, this um, is where I do get got. <laughs> Uh, Pat Robertson, he retired from the 700 Club the day we released our episode last week. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's the first time it's happened in 55 years. He won't be on television, that old sack of potatoes. That Mm -hmm. fucking Satanist. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, 
you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, John Todd did have a slight occult background. In 1974, he factually opened an occult bookstore in Dayton, Ohio. Cool. Okay. And he began recruiting for a Wiccan coven. But by right, that's it. So he was the talent like coordinator yeah, yeah. for a coven, yeah, yeah. which means a man who molests yeah. women in Stevie Nicks dresses. <laughs> Let me smell your breath. Let me smell your breath. Oh, yeah, you're good. But by 1976... John Todd had been arrested for allegedly involving underage girls in sexual initiation rituals. What? What? No. Was what? he on the cover of Forbes like that one <laughs> asshole too? But that didn't seem to matter to the evangelicals. Because, of course, evangelicals like to rail about the immorality of people who live differently from themselves, while at the same time sheltering actual sexual perverts like John Todd, just so long as said sexual perverts believe in their bullshit. It's almost like it's not a bug, it's a feature. <laughs> yeah, man, it makes me think of Warren Jeffs, that disgusting, crooked smile, man. Yeah. By 1977, the year after John Todd was arrested for sexual crimes against underage girls, he was in the thick of the evangelical community, claiming that he'd been a member of the Illuminati who'd given $8 million in seed money to kickstart the Christian rock industry. Oh my God, Wait. he gave it to any, he could have given it to anybody else. <laughs> this all led to DC Talk? What yeah. is happening, Carmen? Do you remember Carmen? Remember oh no, Carmen? you guys were never, you, oh you I, I Well, I vaguely remember Carmen from like the couple times that I hung out with the kids who listened into DC Talk and Jars of Clay. Jars of Clay, they yeah. were a little bit more French and some Christians didn't think they were in it enough. Mm. No. That was okay because they did have a mainstream pop song. Also, let's not forget Amy Grant, that song Baby Baby, mm -hmm. once baby, Christians found baby. out it was not not about an actual baby <laughs> and may have been about a boyfriend or her husband, she was out. Yeah, because it sounds like she's making the baby eat her pussy. <laughs> uh, no. She was pushing an orange in the music video with her nose. Is Collective Soul a Christian band? No, no I don't no, think so. No, no, they no, try no. to say that there was themes. Yeah. Maybe. Collective soul. There might have been. It's a big market, man. It's the Midwest market. No, I know. Because no. that's what we learned about um, who are the potheads? Panheads? Panheads. Skillet. Skillet. Skillet, <laughs> Skillet again. It's not, I think people say it's not Christian rock. It's inspirational positive rock. Oh. <laughs> Meanwhile, I think I Ghost, who is technically satanic rock, is also very inspirational. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, I also don't need to get a lot of inspiration for my rock. No. no. I can also just listen to it and be like, that sounds like a fun song to get hammered to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and people listened. 
when John Todd made claims that Jimmy Carter was the Antichrist. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, of course, you know, that's an antecedent to Barack Obama being called the Antichrist because he was being called the Antichrist by the exact same people that were calling Jimmy Carter the Antichrist mm. fucking decades earlier. Literally. Both Christians. Yeah. Could not be more middle-of-the-road oh. tan suit. That's all I got to say is tan suit. Oh, He's yeah. not the Antichrist. Since you're right. He dressed like the peanuts. <laughs> you are in the middle. You're, they are so... Oh, God. Yeah. I wish that they stood for anything. No, they're both center right. Yeah. Easily. And people also listened when John Todd said that Atlas Shrugged was the Illuminati's blueprint for the planned satanic takeover that was soon to come any day now. I mean, Broken Clock is right nine (laughs) times. I forgot when you said it It is correct. Four times a day is what he says that's wrong? No, six times a day. (laughs) Uh, Because, again, I (laughs) take into account the minute hand and the second hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You separate (laughs) it by two. Um, I actually, sometimes, Ayn Rand, I do wish that she could see some of the people that used her literature for such ways because I think it was a bit bastardized. Um, because her point of view, of course, being a Holocaust survivor, that was she had a whole nother kind of reason for all, all of it. But no, but it's interesting she, that they turned their throw... back on her. On it's interesting they turned their back on her because wouldn't that be something opposite from someone like a Timothy McVeigh? No, because it's about personal objectives. It's that was objectivism. It's about mm-hmm. the idea that you believe yourself as like an ascendant master amongst other people, like of your farther and stronger than those that the, the strong must take. Yeah, but they're right? anti-Marxist and communist theoretically, so they should say that that's not good. They, sh- well, they should say that's good then, right? Well, objectivism is like when you take objectivism and compare it to like what are the true tenets of Christianity, they're the exact opposite. Yeah, they yeah. are. They re- real Christians are supposed to live in a communal society. They're supposed to be be humble they're supposed to synchronized like, periods i mean that, those are witches we've already talked about it in the live show yeah but the person who listened to john todd the closest was jack chick oh no yes <laughs> for those of you who don't know jack chick was a cartoonist who published comic books called chick tracks that were small in size but big on fundamentalist christian fear-mongering yes they were now, besides his extraordinarily anti-Catholic stance, which was strong enough to get him banned from many Christian bookstores, <laughs> Jack Check also had quite a bit to say about what he believed was the reality of Satanism and Satanic cults. It's so funny. I still, I love the infighting. I love how oh, yeah. they all hate the other denominations, especially with the Catholics. Right? Mm-hmm. They think that they think that they're cultists and crazy. I mean, they're right. They're completely correct. Of all of the groups, they are the most, like, gothic and evil. Oh, yeah. Hearing two old biddies argue, uh, my my grandmother was Lutheran and I went to Catholic school. Yeah. She had a lot to say about the Catholics. Oh, yeah. Call them cannibals. Yeah. Well, specifically, Jack Chick published comics about all the insidious ways that Satanism found its way into the brains of the youth, from the aforementioned Christian rock to something as innocent and nerdy as Dungeons and Dragons. Now, all of this sounds ridiculous. Right. We've we talked about this on the show, especially like I think the last satanic ritual abuse episode we did was probably about eight years ago. Yeah, even uh, then, easily. It, there was still a little bit of that. Now that Dungeons and Dragons and all has become IP for everybody to use and now superheroes and all this kind of shit have become so mainstream for a long time. It was fringe. Yeah, and it absolutely. Was, because, you know, most of the big superheroes were made by Jewish people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all, like all the bit, like they were it was all decidedly very on the on the outside of certain things. And they uh, were disregarded and they were told that they were they were a poison mm-hmm. on society for so long. Dungeons and Dragons was viewed as an incredibly dangerous tool for th- to create a generation of schizophrenics. Yeah. Remember that shit? Yeah, I schizophrenics remember. and occultists. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And Jack Chick was not afraid to go big. <gasps> 
in one Even comic, little books. <laughs> in one comic, he portrayed a town that was controlled by organized Satanists who participated in ritual murder and taught witchcraft to their children in their schools. Yes, welcome to Satanville. <laughs> Unless you're the one getting ritually murdered. No, nah, man, I'll be on the fucking other side of that, bro. Don't uh-huh. fucking show up here if you if you have a pure soul or if you don't like a pizza buffet. Yes, most evil. Indeed. The Chick Tracks are some of the goofiest, most fun anti-occult artifacts out there. If you want to go for the ironic stance. Like, yeah. I fucking love Chick Tracks. Yeah. But- Those hit ironic pretty hard for me, thank God, early on. Mm-hmm. Because they were everywhere in our church. We just used to get them by the bundle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very powerful. And, of course, parents did read them to their children as fact. Oh, yeah. yeah. People took them seriously. At least one South Dakota detective used oh a God. chick tract in a presentation about satanic crimes. Every single time you think we're just talking about goofy shit, remember they had a door straight to the police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were talking mm-hmm. about police. They created the occult crimes units across the country. The FBI had an occult crimes unit. It's, it is wild how big this got. Yeah, absolutely. And such a strange day for the judge to be like, officer, you brought a comic book in, huh? Mm-hmm. You wanna, that's, your, that's your defense? Meanwhile, he's just going, and he gets saved. He does like, and then runs around after reading it. But part of the reason why Chick Tracks about Satanism had that air of reliability was because Jack's information supposedly came from an ex-Grand Druid priest, who Chick always made sure to thank at the end of each Satanism issue. That priest, of course, was John Todd. Yeah, I'm a bit of a (laughs) co-producer. Wow. Yeah. By the way, thanks to everyone who bought Soul Plumber. Uh, Yeah! The response has been amazing. This is a good plug. It's a great plug. It's a great plug. uh, It's bigger. Than Chick Drex. Yeah. So that's number one. That's a big victory right there. Not yet. Soon. Soon. Well, physically, in size. Mm-hmm. Soul Plumber number one, available at your local comic book store. Absolutely support the small business. Always. Now, in 1979, John Todd bugged out and moved to rural Montana, claiming that the satanic takeover had begun, urging Christians everywhere, stockpile food, stockpile weapons, the satanic uprising is here. Meanwhile, Sound familiar? All of the Satanists, yep. all the Satanists are hanging around being like, they just invented this thing called Nintendo. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yes. Get your cloak on, Marcel. Yes. We shall play some Mario Brothers. Also, Marcus, you mentioned rural Montana as opposed to that super populous urban Montana. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> one going one day. And for a while, John Todd kept to doing limited speaking engagements. Interestingly, he brought his satanic government takeover talk to Cedar Falls, Iowa at the invitation of of Randy Weaver, who, of course, was at the center of the Ruby Ridge Massacre, which partly inspired the Oklahoma City bombing. We're not fucking around here, man. This is all connected. The movements touch tips. They They all come from the same spots. Mm -hmm. There's something about it, and I don't know why. One fuels the other. It's any way. It's all brought together by fears. Because you're cramping something up, right? Like, I don't want to get too political, right, or whatever about this bullshit, but you could see how, like, events that happened this year, right, were led up to by a bunch of people, like, innocuously saying, like, building shit up past a point that mm-hmm. was... There was a strong psychic energy. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's the same shit. They try to... They, that's what they do, because then they aren't personally culpable, because they'll be like, mm. well, I was just organizing a speaking group. I just had a training center. Yep. I just built an entire white supremacist city, and that's <laughs> it. That's all I did. And if you want to see everyone do everything wrong, watch the documentary on Ruby Ridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, every mistake that could be made from law enforcement, and of course, in Weaver's case, uh, from a family man perspective, was made. Yep, yep. Great documentary. Really sad. 
1987, John Todd was arrested for the rape of a University of South Carolina student and was additionally charged with sexually molesting kids at a karate school where he worked. I don't know. I wouldn't molest a bunch of kids trains in martial arts. No, exactly right. Wow. He was convicted of rape in January 1988 and was sentenced to 30 years in state prison. Oh, they got him. Yeah, they got him. He was released in 2004 and placed into a mental health facility, which is presumably where he died four years later. Okay. And of course, John Todd and Mike Warnke, they were contemporaries and often spoke at the same engagements. Predictably, these two liars didn't like another liar on their turf that might contradict their narrative. Uh-huh. And in one mm-hmm. backstage confrontation, Todd openly accused Warnke of stealing his Illuminati story. This they is literally the, yeah, just a macro game of Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, isn't it? They yeah, literally dude. had the Carlos Mencia Joe Rogan fight. Oh my God. But it was with Christian bullshit. Yeah, yeah, with Christian conspiracies involving Satanists. Just be like, that's my shit. The yeah. blood of Virgin Mary on your face. The blood of the Virgin Mary on your face. Now, once the Satan Seller was released in 1972, Mike Warnke became an immediate best-selling author, although a good chunk of those sales were thanks to Warnke's front and center presence at religious bookstores, because the religious bookstores had also figured out real fast that Satan sells. Yeah, he does. Yes, he does. Once the book became popular, Warnke began getting calls from churches all over the country to perform his ever-evolving act. And before long... Mike was performing to crowds 10,000 strong, opening for Jesus People USA, or Jepusa. 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 I'm actually very happy you used the term act, because that's exactly what this is. It's not a sermon. No. Even though all of no. that is very theatrical as well, but this is a 100% stage show act. Mm-hmm. Yes. Founded as an offshoot of the Jesus movement in 1972, Jay Pusa was a cool pastor evangelical group made up of Christians who wanted to return to a biblical understanding of Christianity, and they also believed in the supernatural nature of the apostles. Interestingly, Jay Pusa were also the publishers of Cornerstone Magazine, mm. who would, 20 years later, write the expose that proved Mike Warnke was a fraud and a liar. Uh-oh. Now, Jay Pusa was not without its own problems. In the early 70s, the head pastor stepped down after it was said that he had a pattern of chronic sexual misconduct involving underage members of Jesus People USA. Now, Jesus People USA, they started as a complete antithesis to the same groups that Mike Warnke was doing, right? But they were the opposite sides of the coin, where Mike Warnke was a part of the Jesus Freak movement. Mike Warnke... He's a little bit weird. (laughs) He's a little bit weird, which is why the weirdos come to me. Uh But his whole thing was that we, we bring a rock and roll sensibility to mm-hmm. church and that's what we do we're cool pastors right and he brings people in that way Japusa viewed that as inherently entirely wrong they hated the rock and roll aesthetic of uh, uh, they, uh Mike they, Warnke yes <laughs> I mean truly they, they viewed Mike Warnke as like too heretical right and they viewed that his style of music they incorporated and remade Christian rock ah. for themselves like they made it and they because they didn't want anybody confused right Mike Warnke does this bit about how the first big like Jesus freak meetup he held he he basically had rock bands play, but he had them change the words of popular songs to pro-Jesus words. What I want to do, I want to hug and kiss you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was doing <laughs> like, that shit. If you see Salt and Pepper now, that's what they do as well, because one became very religious and she'll only tour if they sit, if they don't sing like the one song about sex or they change it to about God. Oh, let's talk sad. about God, baby. Kind of. Do they do push it at least? Push it, but uh, as you saw. It, Worship uh, it. 
it's more about no, it's more about lawn mowing. There needs to be more lawn mower rap. I agree. Well, um, I agree. But it is Japusa though was started by a guy named Johnny Heron. And yeah, Johnny Heron turned out to be uh he was a pedophile practicing pedophile. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Okay. They fucking, <laughs> what is they, happening? What, what you do is that and the, but that group is also a an it's it's very interesting because I got some emails, people saying like they they pro Japusa and deeply anti Japusa. Because mm-hmm. what they do is they bring you whole families in their communal living style thing uh, right oh that's great it's communal living so that whatever you do is you got to you have to bring them money and whatever it is that you have and shit and then you work through businesses through Japusa right now they're only in Chicago they have like a supermarket and they have something else very similar to the anhill kids mm-hmm. where you go you put an hours working you also can live there for free if you do shit there for the uh, for the place we'll give you clean it if you do that yep. kind of shit but it's a wholly communistic kind of idea or it's just a socialist kind of idea where it is all done by the group, where yeah. everybody contributes. But the thing that they do that's incredibly bad is that they strip families apart, right? They take the kids away from the parents. Mm-mm. They put them in a separate area. Those kids are then raised by other kids, what is called essentially an older brother or an older sister. And at first, it sounded like it was interesting, right, where they really were trying to bring people that were trying to live this very simple life in the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. But then the problem is that you sort of bring in active pedophiles and criminals ah. into the into the environment where they then work their way into being in charge of these little kid Ugh. groups. So you basically give your kids to a group of wolves that are surrounded by a bunch of other kids and then uh. no one is there to give an eye. No one cares about right. looking at it, right? So it creates this world of abuse that they're all stuck well, in. I remember my older brother remembers when we were growing up in Daystar, which I wonder if that has anything to do with Japusa. That was a religious cult as well, Daystar. And he has a memory. I was just a baby. But he has a memory of my mom crying because she wanted to get us ice cream and they she had to go like ask for it ask yes, for the money everything oh, has to because be because it was that, all communal yeah. and then then we went on to illinois and then we went on to wisconsin and look at us now <laughs> now concerning mike warnke's story the more he told it the more elaborate it got he was soon telling crowds of enthralled christians how he could use demonic powers to create fireballs with oh. his bare hands do it let's do it do it let me see it dude oh he's left all that i left all that behind me i don't do that no more whatever yeah and he also said that he drank human blood and he ate human flesh during satanic ceremonies seriously bro you can't eat some you can't drink blood right now (laughs) this is my thing well we talked about this last time right why is it cool now to talk about it yeah right you're a cannibal cannibal you're a murderer and a serial rapist now we're supposed to act like this is hilarious well he's just he's going off of the whole christian principle of forgiveness you know it's like he's testing them you already got me once i got saved yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. i thought like isn't part of forgiveness not monetizing your sins Mm. (laughs) like he made a lot of money off of eating human flesh i mean he didn't eat any human flesh he ate a lot of tacos you're just not gonna make the in the the evangelical business world you're not gonna make 50 under 50 in the evangelical (laughs) forbes god damn it but even though Warnke never told the same version of these stories twice, and even though he seemed to remember a new gruesome detail every time, like any good liar, Mike Warnke never contradicted himself. Mm. See, Warnke had kept all of the timelines in the Satan cellar purposefully vague, later claiming after he'd been exposed that he'd muddled the facts to protect the innocent and to prevent the Satan cellar from becoming a guidebook for the occult. But you were a satanic priest. How are you protecting the innocent? None of them were innocent around you. It's like that TV show Dragnet. 
the names and places have been changed to protect the innocent. Remember? TV yeah, show I remember Dragon. that. Yeah, I also yeah, remember. I see, I and remember also that. remember the movie, which had a decidedly occult element. There it did. Go. Yeah, it was a, that was a whole fucking satanic cult thing, too, that probably, I mean, I, I was one of my favorite movies oh, when I, I was a kid. I love that movie. Dan Aykroyd, yeah. he yeah. brought that in. Oh, yeah. the best. But as Mike Warnke's shows got bigger and bigger, so too did Warnke's crimes. On stage, he confessed to assault, inciting a riot, armed robbery, breaking and entering, uh-huh. rape, murder, car theft, and the sale of weed, heroin, cocaine, peyote, and meth. And this is just getting him standing ovations by all of our mothers? Mm-hmm. What's happening? And look, and now he's just a regular dumpy. He's, he's just a little bit us. weird. He's a little bit weird. Well, that was his whole thing. He's like, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of everything. That's what I am. I'm guilty. Because it, it gave him oh, sympathy. They, yes. they Because he painted himself as a victim. Is that It wasn't his fault that he raped women and ate flesh mm-hmm, and assaulted. Mm-hmm. And he was entranced it, by it, Satan. Yeah, it was he was entranced by mm-hmm, Satan. But mm-hmm. it, that's the things that made them feel good because they said, oh, look, this person who did all these awful things, it made them feel better about themselves and it gave them a sense of superiority because they can say, oh, look at what the power of Jesus Christ can do. Someone who's so awful comes over to our side. My wow. sins are nothing in comparison to his. Yep. And so that means I too can be saved. Yeah. But as it goes with bad boys, even pathetic boys pretending to be bad boys, <laughs> there's a certain stripe of woman who just can't help herself. I mean, look I at don't him. Don't even look understand. At him, man. I am looking at the human he's poodle. Got, he's got the body. Uh-huh. Of what? Here, I'm gonna lift him up. No, look. He look looks at him. like an avocado that this you guy. Would, you walk by at the grocery store, being like, it is way overdone. <laughs> nope, nope. He's got the hair. He's I got the. the mm? He does a. Mm. He's got no chin. He has nothing. He's got the. Uh, he's got buck teeth. Uh, I just oh, don't. Look at him. A little charming. Look, that's the kind of face you just want to sit on, huh? Uh, I've never seen a human being look more like a big fat rodent. Like, that's his whole fucking thing. That's his vibe, is rat. It really is. Yeah. Don't see the sex appeal, but no. it was the 70s and 80s, I guess. Hey, man, he's Cogsworth with an erection. I guess. Groundhog. That's what he is. He he's, a be big, a he's a big groundhog of a man. I can see it. Well, according to Jay Pusa member Tim O'Connor, women were constantly throwing themselves at the dumpy, bespectacled troll that was uh, Mike Warnke. And Mike Warnke obliged each and every one. Who is he to refuse the needs of a woman? <laughs> Come on. Think about his little hands. At least there's uh. consent involved in this situation. Hey so man, that's these little hands. Look at my little hands. I am looking at your little You're hands. You're surprised what they can do. I am not surprised what they can do. <laughs> And while Warnke was lying about most of his crimes, assault was not one of them. Oh, my gosh. See, Warnke had a temper. And on one occasion, Warnke reached out and grabbed his friend Tim O'Connor by the throat for something so small, Tim doesn't even remember what the fuck it was. Mm, Of course, it would be amazing if any one of these stories were true back in the day, where he could just turn on the satanic priest and be yeah. like, how dare you defy me? And then just like psychically zap them. That would be incredible. Yo, bro, if he could make ball lightning with his hands, yeah, it would be pretty cool. But the woman who would experience Mike Warnke's temper at its worst was his second wife, Carolyn Alberti. She, like Warnke, was a liar and told everyone that she was third-generation mafia with a father who ran gambling houses and a mother who ran brothels. It's not a nice history either. <laughs> but he can't just have a fucking regular old wife. Um, he needs a cool, cryptic wife. Yep. <laughs> now, like Warnke, Carolyn's wild past was impossible 
impossible to corroborate, but she had definitely been arrested on prostitution charges under many different names on multiple occasions. That's the coolest fucking part about her. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and perhaps it was this kernel of truth that brought a rise to Warnke's ill-fitting pants. Right. <laughs> Someone's got to. She's a saucy number. I'm yeah. looking yeah. at her right now, man. Mm-hmm. No, he, she looks a billion times better than him. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Well, Carolyn and Warnke began an affair while Warnke was still married to Sue. And Mike and Carolyn consummated their relationship. Ben, you're going to love this. Two bottles of Annie Green Springs wine, two packs of Pall Mall Golds, and a package of peanut butter crackers. Ooh, <laughs> I don't that's know. romance. I am not a pelican. Uh, I don't know if I do love that. No, that's called a LaFontaine, Wisconsin honeymoon package. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. So, but this, at this point, he's supposed to be totally reformed, right? He's supposed so to be. Does he not see this as a sin? Not at like, all. And the church. Oh, he's, oh, you might be surprised to find out that he's a fucking hypocrite. Yeah, he's on an top asshole. Of everything okay. else. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, Kissel, dog meat. Man's just flesh and blood. Yeah. A man yeah. is just flesh and blood. I Only I can wait. be transmuted through the power of Christ. Mm. I can't wait until you show up after you try to tell Natalie that. <laughs> I'm just a... Ah, just have oh. the stiletto shoot in your head. <laughs> like, you know that bones are just dirt. Isn't that nice? <laughs> and blood... Is just wet. Yep. And, and you're I... just living in a hotel now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Warnke demanded a divorce from his first wife so he could marry Carolyn. But the problem was that in the evangelical community, the only way a person can come from a divorce clean is if the other spouse is guilty of infidelity. Ah. So Warnke told people that he'd walked in on Sue <gasps> in the midst Whoa. of having sex with another man. Self-cucking. Whoa. Uh. And by 1975, the lie worked when Warnke was free from his first wife. And then he moved to Nashville with his second. I mean, that's as easy as that gets. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. No, that's what he always said. That's what they said about Nashville. Is that like, there's more Christians that get turned by Nashville than Nashvillians that get turned by Christians. I don't even know what it means. That isn't. That means nothing. No, it means that <laughs> they, they, Christians come to Nashville thinking that they're going to convert people and they end up getting converted and by Nashville. They, they listen to all that unbelievably satanic Loretta Lynn music. <laughs> what are you like? Where's the Satan Dude, in you Nashville? Fu- you fucking joke, but that song, The Pill, people did think that that was a satanic song they thought that, they the, that everything was fucking falling apart like it's these people are much worse than you believe them to be yeah oh, they are they are very dense yeah, yeah. All right. now by this point warnke was only selling his books and doing live shows but by the mid-70s warnke had made connections with christian music labels through his contacts in jaypusa <sighs> and since his performances drew large crowds hanging on his every word an album was the next logical step. Absolutely. So in January of 1976, Warnke released his first album, Mike Warnke Alive! Alive. uh, Alive. (laughs) Not live, Mike Warnke Alive! Alive. With an exclamation point. It's a great name for an album, honestly. It really is. I guess. Yeah, and also his, he didn't even mean to record it. They were recording some other band, his record label, Murr Records. They were recording some other band, and Mike Warnke went on after them, and they just forgot to turn the tape off. And you can tell that, because it's stumbly... Yeah. Uh, it is not prepped. It's not tight. He no. is just making shit up as he goes. But even so, by the end of the year, number one selling religious album of 1976. They like it's the con- raw quality. Yeah. It's conversational. Mm-hmm. One inspirational album of the year. Record World Magazine bestowed that upon him. Record World Magazine was a big fucking deal. They were one of the wow. big free trade magazines along with Billboard and Cashbox. Damn. Okay. Well, Carolyn claimed that during those heady days, they were making five 
thousand dollars a day on the road. Woo. That's but good money, baby. They were also spending two to three grand every single day on what. Going where they wanted and doing what they wanted. They hey, still man. live in Nashville. Like literally, <laughs> how much fried chicken can you eat? That Tennessee, wa- that Tennessee waterfall's got to keep flowing. Do you think true. that fucking Astro Glide he puts it in his fucking head <laughs> is free, buddy? Do you think those mustaches gets trimmed by his dainty little fingers? No, sir. Look at his clothes. I you see. can tell these clothes are hand woven by some of the least talented seamstresses in the world. Oh my goodness. A year later, Warnke released his second album, Jester and the King's Court, where he added more detail to the Satan story, claiming that he had a three-inch scar on his arm where his Satanist friends would bleed his blood into a cup and drink it. Now remember, Mike Warnke was a pathological liar, mm-hmm. which meant that his lies didn't stop with his stage show. And that's how you know he did it for the love of it. Yeah. He lied <laughs> yeah. because he loved it. Okay, good point. When he and Carolyn got married, Warnke claimed to be, quote-unquote, part Indian. And he sealed his relationship with his new wife by cutting their wrists and mixing their blood. That's intense. He, Wait, what is with the boomers yeah, and them wanting to steal more of Native American culture by literally saying that they are Native American? I don't know. I don't fucking get it, man. <sighs> well, Warnke claimed that this was a Native American ceremony, but hmm. of course didn't bother to name which tribe this ritual came from. It's because it's not one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just <laughs> Not one. He probably did the same thing that all fucking white people do when they claim uh, Indian heritage. Like, oh, yeah, it's a Cherokee, Cherokee yeah. type of ritual. It's, like it's all Jeep, Cherokee. Like a Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> I'm thinking part of the <laughs> N- Nissan Camry crowd. No, no, no. That no. is in direct, d- direct opposition to my tribe, the Chevy Wrangler tribe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I also want to, speaking of that, I, I want to uh, thank the wonderful Dene family who gave me the amazing uh, artifacts at the no, Phoenix show. No, it was so show. cool. Was so fucking cool. Unbelievable. 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 Thank, Thank you so much to the whole family. Thank you very much. Out there in Tuba City. Go to their store. And thanks to everyone who came out to our most recent live shows. Y'all were just mm-hmm. incredible. Well, Mike Warnke also insisted that people call him Many Horses. Mm-hmm. Which many was sub- Horses? Many Horses. That was supposed to be his Indian name. And also because he owned Many Horses. His, his name is yeah, Many Horses. And when you go to Mexico, it's actually Mucho Horses. <laughs> mucho Horses. Wow. Mucho Caballo. Yeah, Mucho Caballo. Yeah. What, a, what a great name. Yeah. Warnke would also switch to different personas in regular conversation, talking as the Scotsman, or sometimes you get the Jew. Sometimes you get the Catholic priest. Mm. Sometimes you'd get the black guy. Hey. You know what? Let's just not have Henry do any of those impressions. Hey, it's different. <laughs> Times have changed. Well, well Warky defended himself. He defended the black guy impression because he said that he was part black because a gospel singer once told him Ooh. that he had soul. I tell you oh what, man. God, you know die. where it doesn't hold? What? At the Apollo. <laughs> yeah. That's where stuff like that doesn't work. Now, Warky wasn't on the road alone. His opener was Christian musician Mike Johnson, who is best known in the Christian world for his work with psychedelic Christian band Excursions, Whoa. which is spelled with an X and a K. Hey, let's not get too cool here. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's getting a little secular. For That's also one of my yeah. favorite fucking cars, the Excursion, <laughs> which is literally a car. Now, Johnson said that sexual temptation was never a problem for him until he started traveling with Mike Warnke. Oh, yeah. oh he got the Warnke rub. Hey, man, what are you going to do, man? You're in the center of the fucking, you're the eye of the hurricane. The fucking, it's in the Warnke-verse, man. Yeah, the way, when you're in the Warnke-verse, you do Warnke things. Because <laughs> while Warnke claimed to be a reformed man, he would still go out to discos <gasps> and drink to excess Every night when he was on tour. Hey, hey, I couldn't help but notice you were dancing there. Do you want to come back to my hotel room and praise the Lord? <laughs> oh my God. 
That's what is that? Which the nickname for your dick? No, them's my balls. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the P and Mike's pod on tour was his road manager, Bill Fisher. He and Worky wore matching gold chains oh and carried long barrel revolvers in their suitcases. Because as Mark Warnke put it, the Satanists were always after him. Always. Yeah, well, then you probably want to have it on you, to be honest. No, no, it's uh, in you, the suitcase. It's in the suitcase. <laughs> so, like, if I jump you in the middle of the street, be like, hold on, I got to go get my Warnke gun. No, he wants to do the thing where he just, like, he sees a Satanist and he pops open the suitcase. He's like... You might be careful there, Satanist, because I'm armed. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Like the world's fattest desperado. You know what I just realized? Why didn't he ever do a you might be a Satanist routine? Because I think that Jeff Foxworthy would have sued him. Ah. To, uh, Was Foxworthy around yet? No, but you might be a redneck has always just been a part of the collective unconscious <laughs> of our society. <laughs> I remember. I bought the album. So Mike jumped from woman to woman behind his wife's back until he finally met Rose Hall in Hazard, Kentucky. They started a relationship, and Warnke threw away his second wife, Carolyn, ending their marriage with a serious physical assault. By Carolyn's own testimony, she and Mike were fighting, and he threw her into a wall, splitting her head open. He told her that if she went to the hospital and told them what her name was, he'd kill her. That does remind me of Ant Hill Kids mm-hmm. and Rock Terrio. Mm-hmm. And he also added that he had the ability to do it from another room or another state. Yeah, so he threw his Satanist shit in there uh, against her. He's going to zip zap her from Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is this the same story where he said a demon possessed him? No. This is a different di- different story, different wife. Yeah, because he's had a couple of these where he mm-hmm. says, see, a demon jumps into his body and oh. can't control his hands. Is that yeah. right? Now, we've established that Carolyn, his second wife, was also a liar. But the story was later corroborated by a good Samaritan named Tom Carruthers, who bumped into Carolyn Warnke immediately after the confrontation at a convenience store. And he later told this story to Cornerstone Magazine. Mm. From Tom's memory of the event, Carolyn had a big gash on her head and was covered in dried blood. He took her to the hospital, but miraculously... Mike Warnke didn't use his magical powers to kill his ex-wife. Oh, he didn't. No. Wow. She it's ended hard up, on tour. She ended up giving a full fucking story to Cornerstone Magazine and called Mike Warnke the best con man she ever met in her life. I tell Is you that what, a compliment man, or an insult? He can't do magic all the time. He's got to be focusing on the next hour, man. He's got to <laughs> put that hour together, dude. They're waiting on him. You know, that just requires him to sleep all day. I love that Bernie Mac quote where he was talking about how his girlfriend was getting upset with him for sleeping until 6 p.m. He's like, that's me working. Yeah. And I'm sure I could see Warky saying the same thing. But Carolyn did get her pound of flesh as a part of the alimony. More than a pound of flesh. <laughs> As a part of the alimony settlement, she received 15% of royalties from Warnke's second album, 10% of any advances or royalties Warnke got from performances sponsored by his label, and 15% of any future revenue from a character they created together called... J. Fred Wiggles. I don't want to hear about their inside sex jokes. You know that that is a thing. Oh, you yeah. come in and be like, are you ready? Here comes J. Fred Wiggles. <laughs> and he's been like, yeah, my wiggle dump is ready for the wiggle, oh, man. Oh, my God. And he comes in sauntering in his dick through his very big boxer shorts. Uh. Jesus, it's a horrible name. Wiggles is cute. J. Fred Wiggles. J. Fred on yeah. top. If it was yeah. like S- Sally Wiggles, they'd be like, Sally's probably a great person. Yeah. J. Fred Wiggles. It sounds like a guy who runs an ice cream company that turns out to be a child molester. Yeah, and he's never <laughs> sold ice cream before. But as it was before, Wonky left that life behind and started a new one with his third wife, Rose Hall. Jesus. 
Now, as opposed to the last two wives who had behind-the-scenes roles, Rose Hall appeared on stage with Mike singing songs. And that was due to her pressure, saying, mm-hmm. you're wasting my talents. Uh-oh. I need to be on stage with you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of a Tammy Faye, Jim Baker situation. Yeah, but they had they were good. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anyways. Together, they released Mike's fourth album, Higher Education, which featured a song from Rose that I know makes Henry's fucking blood boil. I say it's not without its charm. Oh, All right. God, I'd I love hate to hear song. it. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Let's awesome. just hear a clip. Just a little Let's bit. Hear, yeah, I would love to. Ralph was a carpenter expertise. Marcia was pregnant at the least. She waited patiently. Is she baby from House of a Thousand Corpses? For a week. And so on and so forth. I want to fucking throw a chair through a window, man. Because you can yeah. tell, because you can't see any video of it. So she's doing some shitty ass song that's about Joseph and Mary. Like mm-hmm. that's that is what they are too. They are about Joseph and Mary waiting to find out when the baby's gonna come. It makes me want to blow my brains out. But sure. then you hear these little laughter points, and you know it's because that fat fuck Mike Warnke is doing like little bits. He's doing act outs. Yeah. yeah, where he's going like. I'm making his <laughs> That's mug and face. I know. That's why I'm triggered. <laughs> it's why I'm triggered. Um, no, I actually will. I have decided. It's a democracy here. And Henry, you are correct. It's it's disgusting. Oh, thank you. That sound, I almost right. got sick. Hey, it's uh, just, it's the, oh, yeah. No, it's I like it. If it wasn't so unbelievably hindered by my thinking of a serial killer singing that song to yeah. them as he wears the scalp of a person <laughs> he just killed. That, to me, I like that. Yeah. I'd yeah, rather yeah. that. Yeah. Now, to go along with the cap and gown Warnke wore on the cover of Higher Education, he added another lie, saying that he'd earned a doctorate in philosophy by doing college courses by mail. So now he's Dr. Mike Warnke. Oh, yeah, man, you can always become a doctor through an envelope. (laughs) Wasn't that the name of the Method Man movie, Higher Education? Yeah. No. Or um, Higher Learning or Get High. 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 That was High. 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 And still, even though he's walking around saying, I'm Dr. Mike Warnke, got a fucking philosophy doctorate through the mail, (laughs) no one questioned him. No one questioned anything. He could kill you with lightning, bro. Yeah. Now, Rose seemed to have a keener eye than the other wives for bilking money out of gullible evangelicals. Yeah, she started turning it up a notch. Yeah, Yeah. she saw the game. Soon after they got married, she and Mike established Warnke Ministries in Kentucky. And while they took a lot of donations... Nobody was really exactly sure what Warnke Ministries actually did. What do you mean? You might, do you mean it, it sounded like, there's no way. What? It's some kind of mansion that they bought that they then said was like a teaching facility that yeah. they use as a tax shelter. Yeah. No way. That doesn't happen today at all either. No. no. <laughs> they told people that they were helping runaways, drug addicts, and former victims of Satanism. But nobody ever met any of these people Hmm. or heard their stories apart from vague references to them by Mike Warnke on stage. See, like I mentioned last episode, Mike always told his audiences that these weren't the type of people who come to straight Christians. But for some reason, they were attracted to a fat man wearing Coke bottle glasses and a pink fucking shirt 
Well, he's a little bit weird. Yeah. He is a little bit weird. Well, and, you always, know, he makes this muffin top look good. He <laughs> opens up every single show with that shit, too. I hate uh, everything. I hate it when he walks in and this whole thing be like, now, if you met me outside here, ain't none of y'all would want to talk to me mm-hmm. because man, I'm a little too wacky. I'm a little too on the other side. Yeah. I mean, well, like, it's just the people be like, no, they, they are here, though. No. You see you see how, like, they paid to see you, though, bro. They all yeah. look just like him. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. He doesn't Minus look. maybe the hair. He doesn't look weird. He looks like an enormously irritating person. <laughs> That's why I wouldn't want to talk to him. Of course. But the overall pitch was that Warnke wanted to establish a counseling hotline and a satanic recovery center so former Satanists like himself would have some means of escape. And if people gave enough, Warnke might be able to prevent these terrible satanic events from even occurring in the first place. Pretty soon, even Mike's wife Rose was getting into the game. She published a book called The Great Pretender that was so fast and loose with the facts that Rose got her own wedding date wrong. What's a wedding date? It's more of a wedding feeling. (laughs) Sure. In this rambling tome, Rose put forth Spinal Tap as an example of a satanic rock band. Smell the glow. Oh my God. (laughs) You should have seen the fucking cover they wanted to do. (laughs) What do you think? Real talk. Real talk with Ben Kissel. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Let's wait they, till after last podcast for that. Do you think they didn't realize Spinal Tap was ironic? Or do you think they just straight up were like, our audience isn't going to watch it anyway, so let's just fucking use this term? I think they just saw the word Spinal Tap. They saw a It's a promo. medical procedure. Saw, so it it's it's a parody yeah, of metal, but, yes. Okay. Yeah, they didn't watch Spinal Tap. No. I don't think they watched the fucking... I don't think they truly believed that it was a rockumentary. <laughs> no, they know. just chose a name. Yeah. They just chose whatever yeah. was at the top of the pile. Yeah, and after putting forth Spinal Tap as a satanic rock band, she segued into an alarmist report on child abuse that somehow got connected to memories of her potty training one of her daughters. Hate that. Hate oh. that. What, when people talk about potty training their kids? No, just it's about fine how, like, it's how a those book all... about potty training. Yeah, it's about how it all hangs together. <laughs> yeah. Now, even though Mike Warnke didn't know it, he and his ilk spent the entirety of the 1970s laying the groundwork for the great satanic panic of the decade to follow. Now, while Mike was too goofy and too Christian, honestly, to break into the mainstream, a book that seemingly had a scientific angle was released in 1980 that blew the lid off the whole movement. Hmm. That book, again, nonfiction, was Michelle Remembers. Now, if Mike Warnke was the granddaddy of the satanic panic, this book was the daddy. In Michelle Remembers, a girl uncovers so-called repressed memories involving forced participation in bloody perverted satanic rituals, which involved bizarre sexual practices and child sacrifice. Basically, she said that those memories had been repressed by those Satanists who had used sophisticated techniques of hypnosis and psychological manipulation to make her forget. Uh, And then you'll find out, honestly, most of the time those memories came from the egging on of police and various psychiatrists Mm -hmm. that were interested and involved in this whole world. Echo chamber. Uh, And there's a term for it that I believe it's like iogenetic uh, it's I, I forget the name of the the memory. It's like maybe iogenetic, but the idea is that it's caused by doctors and it's caused by subtle facial cues where you sit and you watch somebody like kind of like maybe subtly nod or subtly frown and shake their head as you say something slowly right. leading a child into saying whatever it is that they want them to say. Or they're put a lot of times put into group settings where they will hear other people talk about real assault they got and then they will incorporate those memories into theirs. Yeah. And people also, especially the children 
children who talked a lot during the satanic panic, they found that they would get rewarded uh, if they said that they had been flushed down the toilet in their daycare uh, and shit like that. Like they would, you know, if they didn't say anything, they wouldn't get anything. But if they said that I was abused, they get ice cream. I mean, Mm -hmm. to be fair, when you're flushed down the toilet at your daycare, it's like, oh, my God, do we still have to do ghouly themed Thursdays? I'm so over being in this toilet. (laughs) They have to be a toilet cake today. Stop it. Now, today, the phenomenon of repressed memories has been thoroughly discredited. But back then, the fact that a psychiatrist named Lawrence Pazder signed off on everything, that meant that these outlandish claims were taken as truth, and the satanic panic truly began. And if you want to have a fun YouTube hole, watch police interrogation footage and watch them use some similar techniques oh, yes. when it comes to facial cues and yeah. stuff like Oh, that. yes. And remember, this is the time period. They believed at this point that they were covens of satanic groups, that there were satanic groups all over the country, right? And they said that they believed at one point there was up to a thousand cults, right? And then they said yeah, that not each, a thousand members, a thousand cults. cults. Sure. And that each one of these cults subsisted of a, at a minimum sometimes 1,500 people. And apparently what they then did all of these sort of math about how like, well, in order to get into the cult, you had to kill somebody to get in, right? Like someone, each one had <laughs> mm-hmm. needed a human sacrifice. So they started, the, the, you run the numbers, the fake satanic ritual abuse numbers, and this is a legit average that the cops called upon. So they said they believed that up to 500,000 people per year were being sacrificed by Satan. That's yeah. just like so many people. It's a lot. <laughs> I just feel like it would have been big news. Yeah, gigantic news. And yeah. I did definitely when I really looked up, I try to like get into like, where are there examples of children being abused by any of these groups? Because the only other, like there's the Church of Satan, which specifically said we don't fuck kids and we don't believe in fucking kids, right? But then there was the break-off stance, group. I mean, that stance. was like a thing that they said, where there was a, they kept saying, like, we believe, like, they, they believed in consent. The Temple of Set, which was created by the he was so mad about the cult of personality that was built around Ant- Anton LaVey. It was created by the personality free Michael Aquino, <laughs> who honestly, the only thing about him that was awesome was his eyebrows. Yeah, his right? eyebrows and his uh, widow's peak. Yes. Yeah. He looked like Eddie Munster, but yeah. he worked for the government, right? Oh. He was a psyops guy. He worked for the government. He broke off from the Church of Satan and he created the Temple of Set, which created this idea of they didn't worship a deity version of Satan, but they he had a automatic writing experience where he was given a thing, much like the Book of the Law. He wanted to bring Satanism closer to Aleister Crowley, right? right? So he wrote a thing called the Book of Coming Forth by Night, which is, he said it was an automatic writing and a channeling that he experienced where Satan appeared to him and he said, I'm actually this creature called Set. I'm an ancient Egyptian god, which is like, my job is I illuminate people. I give people a certain amount of information. Get that dog head, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, that's Horus. No, oh, that, okay. yeah. no, wait, no, I'm wrong. I think it's Seth. I can't remember. I don't know. Seth. I did all that <laughs> class though in college. I don't know. But the idea is that, but even they are like, it's aspirational. Anubis. That's the one with the dog head. Anubis. <laughs> but they were aspirational. The whole point was to build lives based upon something else. But again, no kid fucking. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Now, Michelle Remembers was an instant bestseller. And uh-huh. Mike Warnke, like the guy who buys property in a neighborhood right before it's gentrified, Uh-oh. he was perfectly set up to be the go-to guy for daytime talk shows and news pieces. This is his time, man. This is like when punk breaks. And isn't the Venn diagram here also the beginning of what we consider like daytime television? Wasn't this starting out? Was day, it, in it, the no, 80s? daytime, I mean, this is like, yeah, I guess, yeah, daytime television, I think, started in the 70s. The talk shows really did start in the 80s. So, yeah, everyone's, in other words, everyone is fucking fighting for ratings. Exactly. And these producers are like, get me anyone who says anything that's mildly interesting. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, let's listen to Mike Warren. It wasn't just the daytime talk shows. He fucking did a testimony in a 30 minute long 
primetime piece oh my for God. 2020 news organization called uh, The Devil Worshippers. Starting to think this might be a fake fucking television show. <laughs> Let's check it out. See these guys, they wouldn't leave him alone. Mike Warnke is a former Satanist. Today he's a successful comedian, preaching Christianity in the form of humor. But back in the 60s, he was one of Satanism's high priests. Uh, the things that you would see in a satanic altar. He showed us what a satanic temple might resemble and typical implements used to worship the devil. The bones usually are used in a ceremony that calls for uh, telling the future with the bones or a part of the deceased person. He also explained what attracted him to Satanism. I was basically drawn into it uh, when I was young, just wanting to be somebody special. I just wanted to to be different than everybody and have something that was special that everybody, you know, looked up to. Well, I mean, pay attention closely to the words that the news report is using. They're not saying Mike Warnke claims to be a former satanic priest. It is like definitive fact. Mike Warnke was a former satanic priest. It's all very, very definitive. And so they're doing the lying for him in a way. Because then he just can be like, he can just add to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, FBI investigator Ken Lanning wasted a decade of his life searching for these so-called baby-sacrificing networks of Satanists that Mike Warnke and the others had supposedly ran. All right, let me see your tooth. Uh, get a little toothpick if I see any baby in there. No, <laughs> right, you were eating baby. This baby's like, no, I had eggs this morning. <laughs> All right, it's kind of baby, though, isn't it? But after investigating 300 cases, Ken Lanning found not a single shred of evidence, much less a single fucking body. But that's not to say a lot of people didn't get their lives ruined. There are still people in prison today for satanic ritual abuse crimes that were completely fabricated. But perhaps the most interesting of these cases was the Thurston County ritual abuse case. In 1988, the Republican Party chairman and chief civil deputy of the sheriff's department in Thurston County, Washington, a guy named Paul Ingram, he was accused by his daughters of sexual abuse. One of those daughters accused Ingram of satanic ritual abuse, meaning that she was being abused as a routine part of the rituals that satanic cults were supposedly performing across the country every day. And there's actually, there there was an interesting thing in that master's thesis I was reading that talked a lot about how, like, because one of the main defending points of satanic ritual abuse is how could these kids possibly come up with this imagery, right? But to be honest, they did a survey of a bunch of kids and asked them to draw pictures of what they thought of Satanists TV has done it. Yeah, exactly. right. TV has created enough imagery for kids to see. They to know abs- if you want to write something and create a story about people who are scary, you talk about guys with the big fucking cloaks on mm-hmm. and Bill Clinton, who yeah. must have been very frightening yeah. to a small child. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. a saxophone. Now, no one trusted it. Yeah, yeah. well. No, kids fill in, filled in the blanks Absolutely. all the time. That's exactly what happens here. You know, the kid begins with something very small and everyone else around them uh, fills out the story for them. Now, while Paul Ingram could have easily hired a lawyer, he was already in the thrall of the satanic panic by the time the accusations were made. This he is, was a believer in yeah. the satanic panic. This motherfucker is the, the he is such a this is the epitome of self-own, unlike anything <laughs> I've read before in my life. See, the Ingrams were members of a Pentecostal church that taught the idea that Satan could and did control the minds of Christians. Once Satan gained mastery, he could compel them to commit satanic crimes, then remove the memories. Could he compel them to, like, make better bridges? No, no, infrastructure is for dweebs. Oh, okay. 
And so Paul Ingram, with a head full of garbage already installed, he called the pastor instead of the lawyer after his daughter accused him. And he began regression therapy, a la Michelle remembers, to see if he was one of those Christians secretly controlled by Satan. Because by his reckoning, he didn't remember molesting his children. He didn't remember being a part of a satanic cult. But he also said... I didn't raise my daughters to be no liars. Well, this is a conundrum, isn't it? (laughs) And since they were so convincing, there had to be another explanation. Can you imagine that just having to show up, just being like, now listen, all right, now Pastor Dave, Donna I've always taken your 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 insight and I've taken your wisdom too hard. Um, am I a Satanist overlord? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know me as one? Have you seen I, me? I don't know, but why don't you I go to bed? I haven't seen a wound in my house, but I could have buried a wound outside. Just take your pants off and go to bed for me, would you? Just sleep right here on this couch. Thank you. So the pastor basically guided Ingram into creating increasingly elaborate SRA scenarios. And before long, not only was Ingram convinced that he'd participated in satanic rituals, but he was convinced that multiple members of the sheriff's department were in on it as well. Two more guys got arrested. Oh I did what? <laughs> that would be my <laughs> response. I did what? Yeah. I, just, I know we had just got six pounds of jelly up here, as uh, Henry often says, but I just got to, you got to trust your brain sometimes. I don't know, man. These guys got so wrapped around and so <sighs> turned around. They mm. had no fucking clue, man. They started it to really It was 1988. Think- it wasn't. 1300s it's crazier than Salem it is weird right because the whole thing all of these motherfuckers Mike Warnke included I've been watching his new videos and they always talk about this thing being like you know they lie to you they try to tell you that Satan's all powerful but God is the most powerful we've got Jesus is the prince of knights or whatever bullshit Mm -hmm. and it's being like but you also believe that Satan is so powerful, even though you have this all-powerful God at your side who watches over you at all times whatsoever. But Satan is so powerful that he could outsmart the omniscient one who created yep. Satan Henry, to begin with. I hate to do this to you, but you're thinking about it? Don't you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, it's just a thing where it's like... No, we know. We know at this yeah, point. We know that yeah. it, we know. Yeah, it's crazy. Welcome to my childhood. <laughs> welcome, welcome. What's Ingram got going? The daughters contributed more false details, claiming that they'd been raped in more than 800 satanic rituals. That's just, a lot. It's just a lot of That's events. Even, honestly, again, for Satanists. That's a lot of meetings. That's a lot of meetings. 800. Oh, my God. One gosh. daughter even claimed that she was given an abortion during one of these rituals. Because, of course, since she got fucking raped 800 times, she's mm. going to get pregnant a couple times. She mm-hmm. claimed to have been pregnant five, six, seven times. She said during one, she got an abortion and was subsequently forced to eat the chopped up remains of her own dead baby. You should be allowed to do that if you want to, though. And I do <laughs> believe you can. It. You can. And that was just her baby. The daughters claim to have witnessed the murder and burial of over 30 people. And there's no evidence for any of this. No! No. There's never been once. I'll get into that in a second. That included 25 babies. And they claim that- 25 babies? 25 babies. Honestly, it's hard to find a baby's grave. Yeah. Unless you're really looking for (laughs) it. Well, we don't have to talk about Ireland, do we? And they claim that their own bodies were so scarred up that they couldn't change in the school locker room for fear of being discovered. It's like that Crash Test Emmy song. Mm-hmm. I think Once. you're talking about the weird Al parody of the crash <laughs> no, test. No, 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 real, no. No, she had b- purple spots on her body. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just about getting caned in Singapore, like that story from like 1993. <laughs> no, she had, she had purple yeah. spots all over her body. There were cane marks all over his bottom. <laughs> Couldn't Weird Al is still the best. Still the best. Still the best. Now, the entire Ingram property was searched for these supposed graves. But the only bone recovered 
belong to a cow. Mm. And concerning the scars, the only one found was an appendectomy scar on one of the girls. Mm, the most evil appendectomy. <laughs> I guess so. But that didn't matter to the church or to the police. And remember, they Paul just... Ingram is a cop. Mm-hmm. He is a cop. And they seem much more interested in listening to the worst possible scenario. And eventually, Ingram pled guilty. This is freaking insane. To spare his daughters the indignation of a trial. I tell you what, man. At least he stopped being a cop. (laughs) I guess so. What's he up to now? He Uh, was sentenced to 20 years in prison for a crime that he not only didn't commit, but a crime that never even happens. May I say this, though? If we are living in a world where people think it's true, 20 years is quite light. Because yeah, right. it sounds like there was 800 <laughs> it should have been moments. It would have been light. I mean, if it is real, it's he definitely light. He should have put yeah. it in a glass prison like he's yes. Magneto. Uh, right. <laughs> okay, so it's like everything is stupid. Yes. Huh? Well, he realized what he'd done after doing a couple of years in fucking prison. You realize? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. None of it ever happened. Judge, right. judge. Can we do a reset? Yeah. Honestly, I've been looking through those law books, and I went straight to M for Mulligan. You see, maybe can I get one of those? Yeah, he tried reversing his story, but no one listened. Oh, my God. And for his participation in the satanic panic, Paul Ingram served the majority of his 20-year sentence. Good. He was let out in, like, 2003, He deserves it. Oh he fucking deserves it. Jesus. Oh. Now, obviously... The satanic panic bullshit being sold by Mike Warnke and his cohorts was highly destructive and highly dangerous. But it was also highly profitable. Money, 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 money. Yeah. Money. Novels about satanic ritual abuse topped the Christian bestseller list for years, just like Christian novels about the rapture topped the charts around the turn of the millennium. And Quetzalcoatl became a thing that everyone learned how to spell. In <laughs> I loved when he returned in 2012. Oh, I was, oh thank that God. Was oh. Great. I'm just so happy in 2020 we don't have the internet anymore because of all the things that happened. With mm, that. We're too advanced. Yeah. On the secular side, ratings skyrocketed <gasps> each and every time a piece on satanic cults got aired. I mean, arguably... This is how Geraldo got famous. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole satanic... And he was the one that was screaming and yelling about satanic cults from day one. Uh, he screamed and yelled about a lot of stuff. This one just <laughs> happened to stick, unlike Jello to a wall. <laughs> how does it get there? I really, seriously, clean up your house. And the more famous Warnke got as an authority, the more people tried jumping on his bandwagon. Oh, my God. People started claiming that they'd been a member of Warnke's 1,500-member cult, and Warnke only added to the overall story because oh. he had to switch. He had to kind of sw- sideswipe some of these fucking claims. Yeah, Absolutely, he-, he sees some guy show up. He's like, "Oh shit, it is Shorty Dave. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, Still evil? Staying evil? <laughs> Let come me smell on, your bro. hands, man. Let, Let me smell your hands. Smell baby blood. Oh, yeah. All right, you know, go right. wash them before you come back in here. All right, you're fine. Oh my god. Well, you know, there's the question of you know Henry was talking about the numbers, five hundred thousand murders. Where are the bodies? Yeah. That's the big question. Where are the fucking bodies? <laughs> they eat them, Marcus. Oh, no. They don't eat them. They cremate them. Oh. That's what Mike Warnke started saying. The reason why there's no bodies is because Satanists cremate the bodies. And also, there's Satanists in every fucking coroner's office. There's Satanists in every funeral home. They're all in on the cover-up. That Mike, I agree with. Them. Yeah, I might be right about the funeral home coroner. <laughs> 50-50. Uh, I think it helps. I don't know, man. We've gotten a lot of emails from coroners over the years. We really have. A lot have. of emails. We love our coroners we here. We do. We and do. I can't wait till one of you interns my body. Yeah. <laughs> and you just go like, 
fuck yeah, too real. Okay. And then you just fucking put a joint in my lips and like, one okay. last time, play with my dick. Yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. We'll flip it and flap it around. Oh, little, yeah. Little, put, that, little, put that fucking little, hydraulic little, pump in that dick so yeah, you get fuck one make more Make it huge, yeah, man. Come on. That do is it dis- for me, man. Who is he going to okay, Marcus? Come on. October is Polish Awareness Month. That is true. <laughs> um, also, uh, the, they also said they had breeders. That was the other reason why oh, yeah. they said the reason well, that why. Was, that was Laura Rose Wilson. Yes, that you don't notice the 500,000 people that go missing each year is because they come from inside the house. Is yeah. that they have their own breeders that they have sex with. They make the babies that they use as bullets for Satan. We don't litter like cats. It's like a lot. <laughs> to have a baby is only a lot. Nah, you just shoot it out. Nah. We know. We know all about it. Yeah. Well, as far as profitability went, Warnke owned, by 1991, three homes. Worth six hundred thousand dollars, two hundred and forty-one thousand dollars, and three hundred and forty thousand dollars. Spiritual centers and uh. retreats. <laughs> That's nineteen ninety-one money. Right. But then came the return of the divorce monster. Oh, where that comes from? <laughs> the devil is real. Uh, and when Rose left in nineteen ninety-one, she took most of the property, <sighs> the Cadillac, their horses, and a hundred thousand dollars in payments. But Warnke got to keep the motorcycle and had visitation rights to said horses. But, but my, name, my name is too many horses. <laughs> no, now you're uh, one may visit horses. <laughs> but since the business was just too good to walk away from, Rose and Mike kept working together at Warnke Ministries, which had infuriatingly been enjoying tax-exempt status since 1984. Zabrowski Learning Ministries, honestly, is also going to be some incredible. Wait till you see the facilities we have. We're going to have a dry sauna. We're going to have a wet sauna. (laughs) We're going to have a medium sauna. Absolutely. That's just so you can get closer to the good Lord Jesus Christ, who wants you to be dry, but also wet. So this is a church. This isn't a for-profit business. It's a research center for the Lord. I I think you actually found a tax loophole that works. (laughs) I can't wait. This country will never truly be free until we start taxing the fucking churches. Drain them. I I drink your milkshake. Now, by the early 90s, Warnke Ministries was almost solely focused on fundraising. To gain sympathy and money, Warnke would trot out the Jeffy story. Jeffy, Warnke claimed, was a little boy who'd become a vegetable because he'd been abused by Satanists so much. I don't know how you turn a boy into a carrot, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Is Warnke with us? Wow. How do you drive on a parkway? Teflon. (laughs) Teflon? Airport. I did actually search the Teflon question that he asked, but there was very little results. Oh. It's just a, it's a plastic that they put on top of something else. Actually, it's very a, easy for Teflon to stick to something else. Yeah, yeah you melt and it, it and then you coat it. Yeah, yeah and then it dries. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. basically the assessment yeah. I got. Yeah. yeah. Well, Warnke said just a single donation to Warnke Ministries. Just one? Just one. That would help Jeffy and all the other little Jeffies around the world. Honestly, and if I was them, I would get a puppet of Jeffy, or you have somebody yeah. acting as Jeffy who comes right, out and be like, all right, all right. Hi, everybody. I'll show myself you can give some money to my Warnke so I can wake up. <laughs> Don't you want me to wake up? I mean, so then like... I can vote for Ronald Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Sad, Jeffy. If the story was real, I would be very empathetic towards you. Yeah. But to demonstrate that Rose was just as canny as Warnke, she'd keep an eye on donations. And when donations got a little low, Rose would say, Why don't you go out there, do the Jeffy story? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Calling in the big guns. Oh, my God. Call out Megatron. They have to keep coming in and taking his bed out of the hospital. And they're just being like, are you sure this is healthy for Jeffrey? Yeah, it's healthy for Jeffy, all right. It's help for Jeffy's fucking aware. Get out of my fucking way. This is my vegetable. (laughs) 
Though not surprisingly, Warnke and Rose used Warnke Ministries as their own personal piggy bank. What? They billed $21,000 in what they called stage clothes. <laughs> To their own church. You should see the clothes. You should see the receipts I write to myself for my own corporation. (laughs) Well, I mean, the costume you did wear at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. That is deductible. That must have been a a deductible. That's a pretty penny, I'm sure. That's stage clothes. That's stage clothes. All right, true. Was it $21,000? No. Okay. (laughs) And from what I've seen of Mike Warnke, how did he manage to spend that much money and still look that bad? I don't think he did spend that much money. I oh. think they spent it on a whole series of other things. Honestly, you know what I'm seeing on him? It, what it is, it's the jewelry. Yeah. The jewelry costs a lot of money because yeah. he's got an, he's got an earring. He's got the chain. That bolo. definitely costs money. He's got the bolo. That's he's Probably it's got uh, it's got gold in it. You're looking at it. He's got a nice watch. That's probably where it is. And mm-hmm. then it's probably That's... all custom clothes. Yeah. This is another person who is shaped like fucking Wario. In order to look <laughs> like you are a normal person, you have to get all your clothes Taylor. But he failed. He failed so miserably. That's as far as his body can go. He muffin tops everything. The only reason why you don't see my body just mm-hmm. roving around all the time is because you like me. Yeah. That if you didn't <laughs> like me the whole time, you'd be like, that little fucker. I hate every single thing about my feet. Little tiny hands. Pastry Zabrowski. By the early 90s, both Mike and Rose were drawing salaries of almost a quarter of a million dollars per year and members of the Warnke and Hall families were both put on the payroll for doing nothing more than picking up their paychecks. They weren't doing, like, what were they doing? It's like when one day I'll hire, like, my oldest sister or, like, or hire your cousin to be your social media manager. You know what I mean? Where they <laughs> sure. show up and they just, like, look at Instagram for you. You mean what was Warnke Ministries yeah, what doing? what were they doing? They were telling people that they were helping people. Like, that's what... But they weren't doing anything. They were doing nothing. Ugh, nothing, 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 bastard. nothing. Now, Warnke did finally build this so-called recovery center that was supposed to be for refugees of Satanism, but when construction was complete, the center was more of a museum for Rose and Mike's respective families. So they can go and they can be, when they show up on their rafts um, from the Satanist islands deep in the Caribbean, <laughs> they can go right there, man. They go right to there and they can see, oh, this is a life well lived. Yeah. And naturally, all of this dirty pool caused animosity. Hmm. When a minister named John Cooper was fired from Warnke Ministries in 1989, he filed a lawsuit for half a million dollars. Okay. Soon after, he began getting obscene phone calls, which escalated to threats of physical violence. Hi, excuse me. Is Mr. Cooper there? Yeah. Why do you park on a driveway? <laughs> drive on a parkway. I'll fuck your mother. I'll fucking have sex with your whole fucking family. Fuck you, bitch. Warky. Fuck you, bitch. Warky. God dang it, Warky. I couldn't help but do material. Finally, O'Connor's tormentors fired a shotgun into his front door, then sent a card that said, did you get the message, bang, bang? This is from his, oh, this is to a minister that he taught himself how to minister. Yeah, I mean, it seemed obvious that the Warnkies were behind it. Yeah, because it's all so freaking stupid. Now you wonder why Teflon doesn't stick to Teflon. (laughs) Why? Because it's Warnke. Because nothing sticks to Warnke. (laughs) I see. Nothing sticks to Warnke in your Teflon. (laughs) I get it. Yeah, but the police could never prove it. And the lawsuit also failed. Mm. Now, six weeks after Mike divorced from his third wife, he remarried his first wife. Wow. Oh, what the frick is going on? And Rose and Mike afterward wrote a book called Recovering from Divorce, which contained some of Rose's poetry, which Henry will now recite. I composed and played and sang songs into microphones to him. He told funny stories to a lady somewhere who never sang to him. 
It's awful. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's technically, it's the, um, uh, the, I want a girl who laughs on no one. Oh, Weezer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, I mean, you know, nice. she's, yeah. got, she's at least bringing something to the book, though, isn't she? Yeah. A little she, bit of poetry. Yeah. But honestly, what's weird is that they're kind of doing, can I go as far as to say that was her lemonade, like Beyonce's <laughs> lemonade? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'd say so. Or they kind of understood, they understood together. We kind of like, like we can also make double the money if I play up the divorce angle too. Okay. Now there had been people in the Christian community who'd had their suspicions that there was something rotten about Warnke for years. <laughs> partly because he was an unpleasant person, partly because anyone who had a personal interaction with him knew that he was a liar, and partly because he was flashy with his money. Mm-hmm. And Cornerstone Magazine, who were one of the more progressive publications, they'd been discovering that every person who claimed to have been a part of a satanic cult was lying, and they'd done exposés on each one. Warnke was just the big fish they had to work their way up to. He was a big old fish. Mm -hmm. We're going to hook that Warnke one day. (laughs) And sometimes the Christian community, they do clean house. Sometimes, Sometimes. although they've been doing a damn piss-poor job of doing it in recent years. It seems a lot of times... Falwell Jr., he's out of Liberty University. He's gone, I guess. Uh, But a lot of times I think the reason why, I mean, obviously I'm biased and I'm a little bit negative about it is mm-hmm. that I, I think the reason why they clean house because it seems to be when they clean house it's because they're trying to point attention towards somebody who's not them maybe i mean ba- maybe but i not all the time i understand yeah, no. and this was a good takedown this, this was, was a very good takedown, takedown. yeah I mean, no no this is christians wonder- trying this is christians looking at a fraud and saying you don't belong here but yeah, you but you do have to you know. wonder, like, how did you bring all of these creeps and, like, what house did you build yeah. where all of these people wanted to rent a room? Yeah. I mean, honestly, and then, you know, you got Warnke, who at least he didn't molest anybody. At least there's I that. I don't want to tell you. At least there's that. Yeah. All right. Silver lining. Yep. Yeah. Nice. But nevertheless, Cornerstone Magazine began an investigation into Mike Warnke in 1991. After interviewing over a hundred friends and acquaintances going back to Mike's childhood. And after examining his tax records, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it became unbelievably clear that Mike Warnke was full of shit in every way possible. It is pretty thorough. Like, they come at him. Because that's how we got all of the shit that we got. Yeah. They were the ones that fucking dug deep. Because shows, if you give them a little bit of motive, what they can do. Yeah. When the article was released, though, Warnke stuck to his story, saying in a statement that the article was malicious. But while he gave the protect the innocent song and dance, he also reiterated that the events in the book absolutely happened as described. Mm. Even though there, I mean, he's a perfect pathological liar. There is a long form article with interviews with over 100 people all saying that he is a fucking liar. And he just says, no. I'm not. Well, he also does the thing, the, the slightest little wiggle he does is that he tries to then say, it's exaggerated a little bit. I did, the, I put things out of sequence. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of it was like, I'm trying to get a point across here. Yeah. Like yeah, how, right. like how Zabrowski's tell stories. Yeah, sure. And also, again, going back to the binary nature of having opposition. He can also have the I'm being crucified. Of course. Of course. Milk that for all it's worth. It'd give you another couple of years of money, probably another good fundraising tip. He fucking milked that for a long time. That was the only udder he had left to milk. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me going now. Yeah, we are. I guess we're getting to the last udder. That was my emergency. Oh, man. (laughs) The only thing he walked back was his claim that he commanded 1,500 Satanists. Mm. In an interview with Christianity Today, he claimed there's really only 13 in his coven. And they were 13 total. 13 total. They were in contact 
with 1,500 Satanists. They had 1,500 Satanists phone numbers. Yeah. Like and a, that, that's huge. Like a Rolodex? Or like a... No, a, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they no, must have. Wow, yeah. that's a yeah. lot. Unfortunately, though, eight of those 13 were dead. Uh, uh, and the other five were scattered to the winds. Okay. Now, concerning the accusations of fraud, Mike and Rose set up their business manager, Neil Hall, as the fall guy. Great. It was Rose's fucking brother. Oh, my God. These people are such scumbags. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, but in the world of Warnky, in the Warnky-verse, everyone was expendable. But the only one who is oh. non-expendable is the fucking, the sweet, sweet cream mm-hmm. of Mike Warnky. You oh, can't yeah. get rid of it, man. It holds the center. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, a Cadbury egg without the gush in the middle of it. <laughs> what That's chocolate fucking whatever bullshit. It's like a circle. Yeah. That's sad, yeah. To clean his own image, Warnke set up a board of accountability made up of Kentucky Baptist ministers. Oh, that'll be totally healthy and Uh pure and in no way full of corruption. Yeah, they recommended that Mike acknowledge his marital failures. Oh, that's what it is. It's divorces are the problem. Yeah, yeah. And they asked him to publicly apologize. But Warnke did no such thing. Instead, he stood by his testimony of former satanic involvement and confessed only to some exaggeration and embellishment in the Satan cellar. You've been working. Yeah, you've been working, you fucker. (laughs) I thought I was Teflon. (laughs) Now, some organizations did cut ties with Mike Warnke. His record label dropped him, and the year after the expose, Warnke lost his title of America's number one Christian comedian to a man named Mike Lowry, who described himself as the poster boy for hyperactivity. He's just a little weird. (laughs) He's a little weird. He's a little little weird. That guy's also a little weird. That's a thing, man. These guys are just a little weird. It feels like there's a massive group of grifters going on within the Christian entertainment community. As far as Warnke's career went, the Cornerstone article was a setback, leading to the closing of Warnke Ministries. But despite proof that he is a vindictive, greedy, unrepentant, wife-beating liar, he is still welcome in many churches across America. Oh yeah, he's getting fucking recruits every day. According to his YouTube page, he's got new people every fucking week. They come in and they get saved by him. In 2002, he published a book called Friendly Fire, a recovery guide for believers battered by religion, in which he complains that Christians unfairly eat their own while claiming that he was the real victim in all this. Oh, what a shocking approach he has. Mm -hmm. Today, he has a barely watched YouTube channel, still wearing that dumbass fucking earring (laughs) and still complaining that he's been treated unfairly. Hey, listen. That was the one thing he was allowed to keep. The divorce earring. number four. Like, that was huge. <laughs> he was allowed to have that. Yeah. And do you know... Actually, the divorce number four, he's still married to Sue. That one worked out. Yeah. Okay. After that, a, was the, that was the divorce number one. That was divorce that was, number one. So, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, but he all he also abandoned the humor, I yeah. will say. That's he's sad. not he's not doing the shtick anymore. He's very serious now. He's very... Uh, how would you put it? Cowed? Is he... Uh, uh-huh. How would you put it? Like, yeah. He, he, yeah, he no longer uh, tries telling jokes. He's just this dead-faced, uh, droopy dog motherfucker. He looks um, tired. He looks very tired. He lies wear you down. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, even though some churches still book Mike Warnke for engagements, he never fully recovered from the Cornerstone scandal. And thankfully, even stays out of the modern satanic panic known as QAnon. I mean, right. we don't... Hey. We haven't gone to his church. Yeah, <laughs> if you go to his church, I don't know what he'll say in his sermons and shit. At least his YouTube channel doesn't he, talk about it all the fucking time. He actually could have put himself forth as a figure in yes. QAnon, saying, "I saw this, I saw that. This is around. This is the Illuminati. Yes, these people. Yeah, I saw Hillary Clinton at a meeting in 1986. What of it? He is going for the reasonable preacher now. Yeah. <laughs> 
But even so, even though he doesn't talk about QAnon and all that shit, I think that Mike Warnke is one of those secret architects of culture that we sometimes discuss. A man that's ironically in the same league as actual occultists like Aleister Crowley and Madame Blavatsky when it comes to how much influence their actions had on the future. Because in his own way, Mike Warnke, through all of this, has become a student of the occult. Yeah, he created his own reality. And he really did walk the walk. He did it. He transformed people's minds. Mm -hmm. He entranced people. This is not unlike what people do across any one of these, not just like in the occult, L. Ron Hubbard, these type of people that go and like, he has a, a... capital C charismatic ability about him Mm -hmm. and people are attracted to him and he uses it both for I I guess there has to be some vague good in this for some people like people who got uh, people who got recovered out of like heinous drug addictions that kind of stuff like the people who can use it helped those ones because I think he just took all their money Mm -hmm. I mean I doubt it I fucking doubt it I'm just trying to like uh, I I get it I get it now I understand both sides it a little bit but yeah honestly when it comes out this is not about and this is not again you do whatever you gotta do in this world to survive even Japusa, same thing. Sure. They're all trying Whatever. to they're all yeah. trying to grow and change. Japusa's like they created again another accountability bureau and they split it up to the they split up the top and they started looking to make sure that they, they're trying to do what they say. They're putting more of an effort to make sure that kids yeah. aren't being mistreated by the system. Don't, yeah, don't tread on me. I won't tread on you. A lot of people with the don't tread on me flags literally tread on people as yeah. they have yes, their they caravans do. down <laughs> the middle of your street. And like, still, That's a car tread. Uh, Can you please stop? So, I still yeah. also believe that any group that tears apart your family is not trying to do a single fucking thing. Good for you. No, you need absolutely. to keep your kids unless you're being taken by CPS for a specific reason. Man, yeah. when it comes down to it, no one's supposed to fucking split up your family and no. then give you a new name and a new life. And act. that's cult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, without Mike Warnke, the satanic panic would not have had that air of reality from the perpetrator side mm. instead of just the victim side. And therefore, it might not have caught on so hard. And had the satanic panic not caught on, we might not have had QAnon. And QAnon is undoubtedly the most influential conspiracy narrative since the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. And Oprah would not have had a television show. Yeah. She loved it. But what that means is that culturally, this dumb, dumpy dickhead (laughs) may very well be one of the most consequential negative figures in modern American history. And it all came about because one little boy wanted to be anyone but himself. That's how it is sometimes, isn't this, it? The tale of Mike Warnke. There but another... for the grace of Satan go I. <laughs> sure. Very, very, very positive message there. Um, use your powers for good because yes. that's one of the sad things when it comes to all of this stuff. He did have a talent. Honestly, to be able to orate and be able to stand on that stage for as long as he did, he did have some skill. He yeah. had a skill set. Yes. And he could have used his powers for something that was good as opposed to being a complete and utter con man. Hey, man, go ahead. You know, if you want to just get nerdy about it, you want to do some self-transformation shit, read the Kabbalion, yeah. right? Like read oh. anything about the uh, the the actual rituals of the Order of the Golden Dawn. There's stuff in there that you can, it, it can inspire you to grow to be a different, better, more effective person. Same thing like even the, the nerdy shit within the Temple of Set. Someone a long time ago sent me a book of their rituals and there's a lot of really interesting stuff in there that he stole from Aleister Crowley well, and, and he know- made into his own Eddie Munster style <laughs> preaching. You know what else is just a book of rituals? A cookbook. So yeah. go have dinner with your family. <laughs> have dinner by yourself. Cook. Do something. Yeah. Have fun. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to this unique series. I don't think anyone has given Warnke this amount of time no. in probably 40 years. Yeah, so, uh, yeah not 30. since 1992. Yep, so it's been a while. It means a lot, though, you guys who are here as a part of this journey. We're a fucking... And next week, 
We're getting some fucking blood. Yes, yeah. hope everyone is having a great October so far, watching some horror movies. It's just so fun. I am such a sucker for all things horror. It's my favorite. Whenever I see like a scary commercial, I'm like, ooh, that's a fun, scary commercial. I yeah. love October. I just love everything about it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, also uh, go to go to your local comic book store and buy Soul Plumber. Yes. Get, yes. Buy all the variants if you want to. Tom Neely's got a wonderful variant out there. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, if you can't get to a comic book store, though, you can go to DC Universe. And get a uh, month subscription for free using the code Soul Plumber. Yeah, awesome. but that's only if you cannot make it to a local comic book store. If you have a local comic book store, uh, go support these small businesses and uh, pick up other Great uh, fucking horror comics while you're there for October. Pick Absolutely. up Ice Cream Man, Department of Truth, Immortal Hulk. Pick up the first trades. All those, uh, they're fantastic and genuinely scary. And Absolutely. Thanks, and thanks to John McRae for all of his unbelievable work. And PJ yeah. Holden, who did also incredible work, too. Yeah. And Mike Spicer, who did all the great coloring. It's pretty oh, wonderful. And guys, also... Support Spring Hill Jack Coffee. Spring Go and Hill buy Jack some Coffee. of that Mothman blend. Go down there. Those boys, oh, they've roasting them beans it's so fucking long. They're out there. They're four years <laughs> raging. What a great ad you've given them. Get them beans inside your fucking mouth. <laughs> yes, indeed. It is the definition of a family business, and we're so happy to help out whenever we can. It just goes to show you, do something, do it with quality, yes. and things can work out. And again, also, a shout out of- to another small company, Nike. Yeah. You can oh, get out there and God. help these kids. Like yeah. these kids are yeah. working so hard. Show them that you appreciate their work. Buy some of these shoes. Yep. Buy some Nikes, absolutely. And of course, our weed. Uh, speaking of small businesses, get it wherever it's sold in stores. Oh, and next week, the season two of No Dogs in Space Yay! is released on Tuesday. So uh, that's going to be available wherever uh, podcasts are available. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be the start of a five part series. On the Velvet Underground. All right. Can't wait for that. And keep on supporting all the shows here on the Last Podcast Network. Okay, everyone. Hope you're happy and healthy out there. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Hail Ying. Congratulations. Today's one of those days where I really feel the Hail Satan. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it? Yeah. yeah you're, you're inspired. Warranty inspired. You got warrantied. I did. God, that's the thing, man, is that he's going to be so happy that the Satan, one, the one Satanist finally came for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like one. It's yeah. here for yeah. you. It's here for you. This is it. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish it could be scarier for you. You guys should do a body off. <laughs> I would like to see it. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.